0: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, The Sopranos, Season 1, Episode 6, Pax Soprano, or Soprana. (laughs) spelled a little different, but I always call it Pax Soprano. And I am back with my friend Matt, Big Daddy Matt, and we are here to talk about this Season 1 episode of The Sopranos. And we are back to full-fledged Sopranos this week. We have mostly most of our cast all together for this episode. And I know we like to talk about this towards the end and as we go, Matt, and I come out here a lot and say this because I'm hyper in the moment, but this was my favorite episode we saw so far. I think, um, Matt, your um, microphone for some reason isn't working, but uh, but we got Matt with us and uh, his audio is, he's having some problems. It happened when you plugged in your headphones. Perhaps you plugged your headphones into your microphone, Jack. I don't know. So anyways, we've... This episode, we deal a lot more with the Junior Soprano situation, and we get to see Junior really becoming boss and how that all develops itself. Matt, you with us? I don't know. Now you are. Now you're with us. All right. Good, 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 good. So, Matt, you must have really liked this episode because there
1: was no AJ. Was there zero AJ in this? There is zero AJ in this. However, now this comes to the caveat, though, that I, there was also almost no Christopher. There was two seconds of Christopher, two seconds of Pauly, two seconds of of uh, not a lot of pussy. Um, <laughs> he did have the line of the night, though. I've eaten more queens than Lancelot. <laughs> yeah. And there's almost no people uh, that was all within like a five minute you know, thing at the very beginning of the episode. No, sill, like none of that in there, but. And we've got our good friends in the motherfucking chat, Sam
0: and Ren are in there. Uh, Yes, we can hear you, Matt, awesome. It's good to have you guys. They just watched this episode of The Sopranos. Sam is. I sp- know. I just
1: read that. That's great.
0: Yeah, and especially with Sam, we're excited that anything we can do can get you to to somewhat want to listen to The Sopranos. I just realized I had part of a digital effect on my voice. I was thinking, what the hell is wrong with my voice? And I realized I had a little bit of this effect on it, so I heard this little weirdness. So we're not gonna do that anymore. Even though I know Matt suggested that on one point, I do a whole I do a whole podcast like this. Hi everybody. Welcome back to Phil's recap and review. It's time. My ball's finally dropped. <laughs> I guess what I mean when I say this is one of my favorite episodes, Matt, is I feel like where the last episode was split perspective between Carmela and Tony, when it really comes down to it what the Sopranos is about, even though we do have some really major side characters like Carmela and, and Christopher, Christopher. It's really about Tony and it's about his journey. And this episode is really back to that. And it's back to major Tony focus. I love his perspective of everything he's dealing with Junior and how he handles the whole situation. And also that everything with him and Milfy. I wasn't expecting that this early because I forgot no, about it.
1: It's so weird that you forget all this stuff because it's... It was huge right away. I'm like, all right, this has to be more dreams. I, I kept thinking it was going to be another dream sequence when it happened. And uh, and Sam and Ren said they both liked Carmela in this episode.
0: Okay, I, I think this is full fledged Carmela. I do think I'm I have a I have a minor celebrity crush on Edie Falco on some level. I I'm that's part of why I hate her. It's the same thing with Sansa from Game of Thrones. I'm like, I hate you. I hate you. You're so because they have something on me a little bit, but. Carmela was true Carmela, how she handled every situation and I love how I love her whole arc. I, I shit on her a lot. it's because she's such a believable character. but when we get into the heart and the meat here of everything that happened with Father Phil and her development of acceptance or frustration, how she accepts it, it's a really interesting arc too where she's okay with him having sex with sex with, yeah, that and, was so weird. Yeah, isn't that weird, Matt? It's a form of masturbation for him. But this someone that can matches my intellect, that's on my level, because anything I want to say about Carmela, she's a very intelligent person. And also, this was probably my favorite Livia we've gotten yet. Livia is, we talked about this a little bit in the weeks leading up to this, Matt, Livia's in a really good place in this episode for herself. Yeah. Being in that home has been really helpful to get her to be laser-focused, with her mafioserisms in this episode. She to- straight up sticks her hand up Junior's ass and turns him into a Muppet. And she does almost the same thing with, uh, with Tony, or just how she just you see Livia coming out. Bring the cocky! The way she screams it and stuff. Yep. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Sam says she looked good and had some common sense in her, something I didn't see in the earlier episodes. I think Carmella definitely develops more of a sense of understanding or perspective of herself as time goes on. And she gets to a place, just because, I, and I know you haven't watched it, so I'm try, I'll am i try not to be too spe- specific. This all comes to some sort of head. What's great about The Sopranos, and especially Carmela's character, is she's the same, but she also develops a great deal. And she also has many different phases and does come to a point where maybe all of this is going to become too much for her.
1: And she fluctuates between being really strong and dominant and then being submissive to tony at different points and being sweet to him and and the whole thing but their relationship is is overall is the most important one this entire
0: it really is and as we get into i mean we're looking way ahead here season four is completely dedicated to tony and carmella there's a lot of other stuff that happens but you could subtitle you could title that season tony and carmella's season subtitle some shit happens to Ralphie. I mean, basically everything else in season four is super, superfluous and doesn't really matter too much to the overall focus of the, of the plot of the season. Because we can say this, and we talked a lot about this in the original, uh, in the episode one, but now we can actually hear Matt. The, the Sopranos, instead of having a six season arc or six and a half seven seasons however you want to look at that last season was much more of the error even though everything did intersect each specific season has its own big arc and own almost own universe onto itself and in in season four it's very much Tony and Carmela's season and everything else is in the back of importance then we can say to the to the later seasons when it gets really dark here this is This is everything from Tony's perspective and everything from his rise to power, and I just – I I can't get enough of this episode, so let's get into this because uh, we are on the clock and spaghetti is boiling, so – Let's jump into the chat one more second. Sam says, it's fine. I know this is like 15 years behind, so no need to worry about spoil conscious. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. And just like with the Game of Thrones, this is looser than the Game of Thrones one. I do like to talk about future stuff for perspective, but any a few major things I might significantly leave out. If we can, but eh, you know, thank you for that perspective. Warning, spoiler warning ahead if you haven't watched The Sopranos. We might spoil everything. Okay, so this episode was originally aired on Valentine's Day, 1999. And it's funny that it was Valentine's Day because a love affair, Tony being... Romantically linked to somebody or having some sort of affection is a very big element of this episode. Also, with Tony and Carmela's anniversary being in this episode, it's a it's very heavy, it's love, it's a love episode. But I, yeah, Christopher's only in it for one second to tell Tony
1: about the Hesh thing, right? right. And I forget, I guess I never realized until we're watching it now and paying attention. How many of these early episodes that happens, I and mean, we haven't had really good poly yet at any point. We haven't no, had really good no. still yet for more than like a minute or two at a we time. Later, there's episodes dedicated to them, or like huge chunks of episodes dedicated.
0: And to some them. could say the greatest soprano episode of all times
1: dedicated to them, with has where Tony's in the background for them. Where
0: episode. Tony's in the complete background in that whole entire episode dealing with bullshit with his Gumar with his new Gumar, and the and the Russians and like the, Ru- the, and the and Russians, but really it's that's that's kind of. Uh, that is a good scene, and I agree. You can't have a great Sopranos episode with no Tony. That would be right. near to impossible unless his name is Kevin Finnery or something like that. But that's a, that's a different, different topic altogether. I, I think with, with uh, this episode, it, it really does. It opens up at the beginning in—oh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. I, I think really in the first season they didn't know what was popular and they didn't know what to put out there. And they're probably uh, money things, too. In season two, The Sopranos was a full-fledged hit, and especially after college, and that's the episode that really, excuse me, catapulted it into more of a stratosphere of being a popular HBO series. So HBO in season two gave the show a lot more money that could pay for guest actors. And I also wanted to point out that you're right, not a lot of Polly at all in this first season, only in that episode with... Pussy in the in the coffee house, but pussy is. They make sure pussy's ele- pussy's relevant. They make sure pussy shows up and has a couple one-liners in almost every episode, and in this episode. I know it's only for a second, but he he does get the line of the end. And episode. they're all
1: there at the same time, though. The, the episode, I mean, all those lines are they're at one table in the very beginning, and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. The convo about him straight up professing his love to Milfi and him trying to get it with the prostitute was awkwardly funny, and that he's trying to convince his Gumar that to try to dress like Milfi. It's it's really this it's so awkward. It really is awkward. Okay, so our first episode in the first episode in the scene, the first scene in the episode is. We get back to Kevin McAllister's father, Detective Kevin McAllister's father from Home Alone, and he's chilling in a lumberyard with a newspaper. And it's fair to say that he's always presented in a very similar fashion in, that, in this kind of place. Tony's always meeting him at a, at a lumberyard, at a construction site, something like that. So they end up going for a walk, and it's just basically Tony getting more intel or getting the final form of intel on Milfi that he hired her for. It's the continuation of what we saw two episodes ago, because the last episode was standalone, so we kind of needed that continuation. And... Yeah, she does girly stuff, dry cleaning, food shopping. She goes to the fancy schmancy Italian deli. What the fuck? Yeah, He,
1: he tells Tony essentially everything that could get Tony more turned on. Like she goes to the really nice Italian place and gets the finest Italian stuff. So she's super Italian but also super high class at the same time. Yeah, which... exactly. He can't understand. Tony's just, well, if Tony could get hard, he would be getting hard at that moment <laughs> thinking about
0: that. But... Oh, my goodness. So uh, and I like the scene that Pussy was in because I missed him last time. I I always miss Pussy. When it's not around, but, but but seriously, Pussy is. We talk about this. We talk. We'll talk about this a lot, especially as time goes on with Pussy. He is such an important part, and we said this before. Of this first season, it's easy to neglect the fact that. It's a small thing, but 1999, saying pussy in public so easily about a character just was was made it funny. When radio stations be like, watch The Sopranos last night. Can you believe what's happening with the pussy or the little pussy, big pussy? There's so much pussy on this show. It became one of the building blocks of building that Sopranos aura about it, that Sopranos thing that, that made it such a popular show and uh, it's it's just it's we can easily glaze over that but pussy was such an important part my pussy you pussy big pussy <laughs> oh my goodness so okay so he we go back and forth and he basically is pr- pressing tony that he wants to know what's the big deal with this gumar and tony's like i should fuck you up for what you did to that guy and and, and Tony's not really pissed off about it, but he gives him shit about it. And he's like, ah, I thought it was a Gumar's roughing up the girl a little bit.
1: I yeah, the and, guy he, a little... and Tony acts like, no, I don't care. You know, it's not like that. I don't care about that. But then at the end he also goes, so is she still seeing that guy? Right. Like he does. He throws it and it's like foreshadowing that he's going to actually – because you don't know at this point early on that he's fallen for her like that yet right. until later in the episode.
0: And I agree with you too even more extent that I think part of it is just Tony shits on this guy and Tony's going right. to shit on this guy all the time. If this was Polly doing a job for him, early season Polly or Sill or something doing the same thing and said the same exact thing to him, Tony would have been a lot more respectful of what he had to say. And even right. if he beat up the guy, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, th- thanks for that. Or he wouldn't have given him shit for it, really. It, it It's ultimately because this guy is such a shit bum that he wants to make this guy feel like a shit bum as much as he possibly can. Yeah, and then tells him to go buy himself an iron. <laughs> yeah, go buy yourself an iron. Okay, so our next scene. I guess there's nothing much else much much else to say in that scene. Uh, it's just a funny. I actually liked Kevin McAllister's father from Home Alone a little bit better in this yeah. episode because he was funny. They played him a little bit funnier, played to the actor's strengths. Lines like, "Yeah, the guy just pissed himself. He doesn't like those kind of guys. She like right. Little things like that. It, that as you were mentioning a second ago, Matt really litter tony's mind sprinkle tony's mind with the thought that he has a chance with her
1: right 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 and again we don't know this at this point that he really is that into her. as you know no
0: and that's one of the things that the, again that the sopranos does so well that you never know when it's going to pull something like that when it introduces stuff that seems useless at the time but ends up coming back to be extremely important Bullshit. What was that? What'd you <laughs> say? What'd you say, Tony? You fucking asshole! Bullshit.
1: I'm sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are. Sorry, Tony. You're <laughs> fucking sad. Okay, so we continue. The next epi- next part of the episode is Milf is the Milfie scene, and Milfie is because- is in. She's extremely important in episodes. She was only in a brief point of college, which is part another reason why college feels like a different kind of Sopranos episode, and the because Milfie her a What's scene with point? her and Tony. I- It's so, it's so essential to every episode of The Sopranos. It's the Greek chorus of The Sopranos. It echoes what's going on in the episode. It takes everything, all the themes that they introduce. And at some points, especially when we get into season two and season three it really pushes the narrative as well where we get things he say he says in therapy as episode titles or episode focuses and such and things like that ren says tony has a definite separation between his gumar and his wife Carmella accepts this but she knows that milfie is made
1: from the same cloth she is 100% ren and, and if anything Milfi's a better is a more better version of her almost you know like an upgrade because she is educated she is stuff that tony finds you know that he can't get in his gumas Exactly. What ever happened to Gary Cooper? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyways,
0: let's continue. Uh, this scene is a really awesome scene between Milfy and Tony. She comes through the double doors. I love all their scenes in this episode. Ready? Tony wrestles a paper bag, sets a coffee cup in front of her. Milfy taps her hand on her knees uncomfortably and then asks, "So, how was your college trip? Do you think Tony is really crossing a line?" And this is one of those things that kind of bothers me about therapy because I've gone to therapy. Little things like this. Oh, you want a piece of gum? I cannot accept a gift from you. Like, what the f- Like, at one point, like, I understand who Tony is and what Tony's Well, that's do- the thing. Is, this isn't you. This isn't me. This okay. is Tony Soprano. That's a good question for you, Matt. If you or I are going to Milfie, is she getting upset that we're bringing her coffee? Yeah, I think so I still think she's she's getting because
1: it's against protocol and it's yeah. ju- it's it's just one of those things that kind of bothers me could yeah but try being her though at the same time how many creepy guys have probably not on to her over the years fair you enough you know and it started with a coffee and then they're fixing her car and then they're you know they're beating the boyfriend <laughs> up and
0: now my question for you Matt is as, as a te- as a teacher you couldn't a student couldn't bring you an apple now could they like the Not apple
1: what sure they do the kids get pray, kids around Christmas time they bring in stuff oh do them. they bring your gifts okay so you can still give your sometimes I've gotten I, I've gotten gifts over this it's in Lynn so they don't have a lot of money but mm-hmm. no we get gifts like today uh- the PD, you know the PD. You yeah. got like a whole box full of pastries. I recipes.
0: remember when we were kids, like our crossing guard back at uh, back at our elementary school. Matt and I went to elementary school together. We, we would get like her a gift. We we would uh, we would. I never did that. We, we would sure. get her like a, a box of chocolates or something like that. Yeah. and it's it's fair to say that Tony just comes from that old school philosophy. As someone you work with, yeah, you're getting coffee. You get coffee for yeah. them too, and Carmela does too. And someone just to connect to something later in the series. It's someone something that a teacher actually calls Carmela on that's manipulation it's manipulation yeah. without even knowing it. And Carmel's like, that's just what you do for
1: people you care about. And that's her response to it. And I think that... Well, Tony, and why would Tony know the protocol for that sort of relationship with a therapist? He'd have no idea. No one in his world has that idea. You yeah. know, no one No one else he knows does, goes to therapy. Exactly.
0: Oh, and I forgot to mention, as we were earlier, if anyone is checking out this podcast at any time, you can always join our live chat. We've got a couple of good people in the chat right now talking back and forth and sharing their thoughts and questions about this episode. You can also always Email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com, or you can use the call, voicemail, text line at 781-990-8509, and also we... You'll know when you hear this what the next episode. We'll answer questions about any Sopranos episode. So if you ever have a Sopranos question or comment you want to leave a message for, feel free to do it at any time you listen or watch this episode. Sorry, I forgot to set that stuff at the beginning. And uh, Sam says she also brought bought, or families bought stuff for The Crossing Guard. Okay, so so she changed the subject. How's College Trip? And Tony joking, jokingly says, my life's like an episode of Provolone or something like that. I assume that that show is a... Uh, just a I, without even having to explain what kind of show it is, you know what kind of show it is. I guess he's like a Family Matters, a cheesy sitcom yeah. where everything goes wrong or something that's about Italian people. So uh, everyone loves Raymond or something like some show. It's like an episode of Provolone. So what's going on? He fiddles with his coffee, explains they have a fight, that she's jealous of you because you told her why why, uh, you told her you were female. It's it's this back and forth that eventually ends up being that Carmela or that she asks Tony or Tony is always going down the same paths, that he only can take advice, that he can only really interact with other Italian
1: people. Yeah and he but she says to him you know he he says oh you blew it you called up and told her you know i wouldn't have gotten in trouble except you called up and you kind of blew it and she says to him why didn't you tell him it was a woman and then she goes into the whole you know that the people how does she phrase it like about he talks about Carmela and his mother, and how it's all these strong women. Yeah, it's that... all
0: these strong... What do all these strong women have in common? Yeah. And, uh, and why'd you pick me? Why an Italian? Two, uh, right. two Jewish guys in a paesan, so I pick myself the paesan. It's... Uh, I feel exhausted just talking about it. Yeah, you do, Tony. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, uh, so, Milfie, Chains, Tactics again. What's the one thing your mother, your wife, and the daughter all have in common? And Tony has an amazing line. I wish I had a sound clip of that. They all break my balls. <laughs> just such a perfect line that... That I think every man can relate to. Tony cracks, and Milfi has a chuckle, or all people that all people in a uh, in a relationship with anybody. Just to be clear, uh, you get they all break anyone that's close. Family breaks your balls. It just happens to be because we'll say with Tony's family, AJ definitely gets to be the worst one eventually, and the one that he has the biggest problems with. So. Oh my god! Oh
1: my you're god! god. I'm like, really you're enjoying these first. Man.
0: episodes. Oh, I'm sorry about that. So yeah, you're really enjoying these first episodes because he he's not around, he's right? Business.
1: Yeah, and the one episode he was in a lot, like, the acting was so atrocious, they probably said, hey, kid, why don't you take a couple episodes off? Do <laughs> the whole one where he, like, we find out that Tony's in the mafia.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't want to disappoint you, but uh, from looking a little bit ahead, I think nec- next week might be a little different. We might be back to AJ right. AJ central here. Okay, so... So let's continue. What's the one thing? Okay, so they're all Italian. So what's what's what? Why Italian? Perhaps you're old-fashioned. He, he says, perhaps I'm just old-fashioned. Milfy suggests that maybe coming clean with her. Tony is dialoguing with the other women in his life. Tony thinks doesn't think much of this theory, and he turns the tables, asking Milfi, "Why him? Most people on
1: the street that see me just walk in the other direction, but you, you go like hundred miles out of the way or something to get away from me to not have me look at them." And he goes, so "Why did you choose me as
0: a patient? You didn't flinch."
1: And he gets re- and again he seems real turned on by this. He's so turned on by that. Again, I didn't realize he was turned on by that until a little bit later in the episode. And let's connect
0: to a question that Ren Renwood has in the chat. The more interesting question is, what is why Milfy consented to having Tony as a patient? I think because he is dangerous and Milfy likes that. I agree with you 100% and it's something that's it's almost a throwaway line in the later half of the series because spoiler alert this isn't the last we see of Tony trying to get Milfy. There's something other things happen later and there's another kind of interaction that the two of them have that's similar later in the series. And she gets more raw later in the series because she knows him more. And she explains at the beginning she was attracted to him So some part of her, I think, is is correct that at this very beginning point, she is kind of turned on by the danger of Tony. And we live in this alternate world where Tony is very attractive to all women, especially.
1: Well, not only that, but it's also attractive from the standpoint of being a therapist, a psychiatrist, to have let's say she's not physically attracted to tony that's still like a cool thing to be the therapist like oh i get to be the therapist for a mafia like you know if it was junior she would have been turned on by the idea of being a therapist right. to a mafia kingpin i think like, i agree i agree regardless of if she finds tony physically attractive which again is something we've talked about how the hell all these women end up banging tony is out of our <laughs> minds but whatever
0: <laughs> really i would think after her she throws himself at her he would just give up after that And yeah i saw Yeah, her.
1: that shocked me yeah.
0: yeah and he doesn't give up easily and and she doesn't give up easily either as we get into and she has to have the fear what if she cuts tony off at that mm. point what you know yep she doesn't understand that she's almost untouchable, untouchable to him at a certain extent to a certain extent eventually i i do think it's really effective that the show adds this in the second season and i think it's in the second season i'm pretty sure we don't get it before then the, the her therapy scenes when we get into right. her and Elliot. Elliot, yeah, Elliot, he is awesome. And his reaction to everything she says, and you get a lot more, Sam, that's something- and Her
1: reaction to him is amazing, too.
0: Yeah, it, it, they're some of the best scenes in every episode when her and Elliot are interacting. And it's something for Sam that you can look forward to to get to know Milfie more, because they do explore her family, her perspective, where her mind's coming from in a lot of different kinds of situations without spoiling what actually happens. So, So there is a lot more her to explore. So let's continue. So we get into the poker game. My girl's playing in the background. I hate that song. Great
1: music in this whole episode, though. It was really a big part of the show, of, of like every scene.
0: Mm hmm. So this is we can just kind of quickly talk about this scene and yada yada this a little bit. It is a scene where Mikey shows up at a poker game, a poker game that some person that works within the family is hosting a poker game. And instead of paying to Tony, to Junior, to anybody paying out to that game protection money, which they're supposed to if you work under you with certain players, as we learn a lot more about this later on, too, there's a certain percentage that needs to be kicked up. No one's kicking up to this game to anybody. To Jimmy Alter Alteri, that's the main guy that this got the main his, his this guy's particular captain to nobody. And Mikey, as Tony mentions later in the episode, they kind of Junior has one here. This is Junior's doing the same thing. We get the big line: Junior Soprano's the new boss, and he ain't respecting old arrangements. So then right to the next scene, we see Junior at the tailor. And he's standing around, and this is a pretty
1: sick scene because such a great Junior scene.
0: It really, it really is. It's ju- essentially Junior in a nut. Ju- I'm Junior. I'm in a nutshell, to steal an Austin Powers joke, uh, to steal Mike Myers joke. But it really is Junior in a nutshell. He has a huge heart, and he really cares cares about people. But he's very narrow minded and doesn't look at the big picture, right? At all, at all. And that's probably why he got passed over, and why Johnny was ahead of him. Why every, why, why, uh, why Richie? Why not? I did it again. Why uh, Jackie was Jackie. ahead of ahead of him? It's there's so many people, so many reasons that you see why Junior ends up being cast over because he is very reactive.
1: And My, here's and he, this is like an old school scene. It's Junior. He's in. He's getting a suit made for him. By a tailor that he's obviously known Mm -hmm. for most of his adult life. I I can't say... An old Italian tailor. He's probably known forever.
0: And I can't say enough because he's... This is probably the best Mikey episode, too. Mikey's great in that scene at the poker table. Before we go over there, he's really threatening and funny in that scene and him in this scene with junior this eventually becomes bobby but and that's a hilarious on a different level but mikey and junior also have a really fun chemistry and
1: that junior's just like shut up when he's like oh that was your kid that got he was slammed and they do a great job of making you hate mikey at all times
0: though. yeah they really do they really do whereas the opposite with bobby you you they go out of their way to make you love bobby right and I can't wait till we get to that Bobby and Junior Curb Your Enthusiasm scene. That's one of my favorite moments in the entire series. Okay. So we get Junior's basically getting a new suit, and we find out from this tailor that his grandson OD'd on some drugs or was high on some designer drugs and jumped off the falls. The same falls that we see Pussy and Hash bring somebody out in episode one, I think it is, or episode two.
1: Who the hell did they bring out there? I forget who it is. It's uh, it, it wasn't important, but I remember us dwelling on the fact that why it was had- the guy with the broken leg that June, that Tony had run over at the very beginning of the episode. Yes. Remember when he brings him out there and you're going to either do this thing for us or uh right. The racket with with the insurance company. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. OK, so. so and Ju- <laughs> this is one of the best junior lines when he's up there, too. He's talking to the guy and he's. He, he, the, the guy working on it before we get into his grandson is asking him why he's getting the suit. He goes, oh, uh, the guys are having a little thing for me. OK, like they're having a party, They're having a time for me, I think. is what They're he's having saying. a time for me. And I forget the exact way he phrases it. But he says these kids, they want to be buried in their track suits. I think is what he says, <laughs> yes. you know, so he's like an old school guy. He's having the night. For him, and he's going to get the finest suit he can possibly get at the time. You know, a tailored made old school Italian suit.
0: Yes, and thank you, McDicker. McDicker, welcome, my boy Mikey, the insurance guy. Welcome, my friend. Oh, my goodness. And,
1: and Mikey is always in a tracksuit, like in the this, in this show. Mm-hmm. But he's making fun of Mikey when he says that. So. <laughs> oh, good play. I didn't see it that way. Good one. So his
0: son... And every anytime I hear the name Ralphie on The Sopranos, I don't care if it's Ralphie or not. I get a little excited. Not want to get too into Ralphie because Sam hasn't experienced it yet. So it's uh, you need to experience the Ralphie yourself, played by Joey Pants, who shows up, I believe, in season three. But we're way far away from that. But but the name Ralphie, it's, it's his oldest son, Ralphie. There. He lost a grandson. And ultimately... The kid that used to run around breaking balls. The tailor weeps. Dominic, my namesake. Junior turns back to Mikey and asks him if he knew about this. Mikey, at first, is like, "No." Junior says, "Well, what do I say about this poison?" Gets in the, the, "Ah, no, drugs. Drugs are bad." And it the funniest part of this is is ultimate Mikey, a born diplomat. Mikey's like, "Is oh, he's fourteen years old and he used those designer rugs. His
1: head was bashed against the rock for days and yeah, he." Oh, that kid! No, the the old guy says it wasn't a, it wasn't an overdose. Um, yeah, he had these designer drugs, and Mike's like, "Oh yeah, the kid jumped off the cliff. His head just kept is he's spiraling yeah, down. i read about bouncing that. Bouncing off the
0: rocks. Suddenly, Mikey starts caring about it, and yeah. he, he's he's in the conversation. All of a sudden, oh yeah, he was slipping down. That was awful. Just like earlier when we see him talking to Jackie, and and uh, Junior kind of
1: waves him off the old guy's sitting there like staring at him the the tailor as he's talking about his grandson's head bashing off the rocks 50 times and junior gives him the look like what the hell's the matter with you and
0: he says uh this piece of shit gets to walk the streets and sell more of that stuff to young kids junior says that gets that furious junior look in his face and goes oh really What's that motherless fuck's name? Such a great line. Such a great junior line. That's why I would say at the beginning, Matt, this is... We get the most junior. This scene, we're going to get to
1: it in the... uh, Oh, it's right this next scene. So we cut... you can feel that he knows he suddenly has this power. He's loving it. You know, he's like what's a motherless fuck's name? Like he can do whatever he wants now.
0: Yeah. It's like if you win money on a scratch ticket or something like that and you, and you suddenly go, Oh my goodness, this means I can go buy the $300 bottle of, of scotch because I just made enough money. (laughs) You know, it just makes you feel very happy. So, okay, let's get to, it might honestly might be my favorite episode, favorite scene of the episode, Livia and (laughs) junior. And Livia's gazing fondly at Junior who's slipping from a China cut. It's like, even the coffee's old in here. <laughs> Livia shrugs it out. Eventually, well, you can't complain. Eventually, they find you with a broken hip. <laughs> it's This <laughs> stuff's like stand-up comedy between the two of them. It's just really funny stuff. Junior bitches more and about, I got to get you a coffee machine so you can make some good coffee. And then some person rolls around, and I don't want to go line for line but this is just fucking hilarious and goes oh hi Livia are you the new are you new here and Juniors goes keep walking pal
1: yeah Well, you already see that Livia's already starting to fit in a little bit of the place, because the guy's talking to her and notices her, and she interacts with him and knows him, where she was miserable when she first got there.
0: Yep. And uh, to go back to our last scene, McDicker says, yeah, he he couldn't possibly have given more details about the death. Seems less concerned. Classic Mikey. And... Oh, my God, Ren, that's funny. And he probably needs a closed casket. Uh, Sam says, I love Livia in this episode, especially when she said the Junior becomes her puppet and she basically tells him how to run her family. And that the activity lady knows her. Yeah, the activity la- lady is hunting her down because she knows if she actually finds Livia, Livia's going to have a good time. But this, the way she manipulates Junior here is next-level awesome. And Junior is, and this is where Junior is not, we talk about this a lot. Junior is pig headed and laser focused at some times, but he's not ignorant to what Livy is doing. He knows no. Livy is manipulating him. He's just thinking, well, she did this for Johnny, so I need I need that too,
1: as he's wearing Johnny's cologne and stuff too. Yep. Plus, she's also she's old school. Like he doesn't have you just saw it the last episode, he can't relate to these kids and their drugs and anything else. And she's you know. I can't think of someone else that he interacts with that's like directly tied to the old school, and understands his way of thinking. No, we
0: see it a couple of times throughout the series, like when we see Bobby's dad or we see or we see a couple of other characters that show up and and. And uh, Feech Lamada,
1: uh, who the actor... And the, but remember that other guy that was supposed to bring him later on to the doctors, but kept forgetting? Yeah, that, like, that guy. senile at this point. Yeah,
0: that guy. I forget his name. Oh, you, the guy that takes over for Bobby when Bobby gets more responsibilities. Uh, Sam says, wait, this may be a stupid question, but what actual relationship does he have to LaVille like, family-wise? Uh, sister-in-law. He, she, wa- she was married to his... Tony,
1: Tony's father is was junior's brother
0: was junior's younger brother and was and was above him in the pecking order got more responsibilities was actually a boss or a head of ran his own crew where junior was always his kind of second in command
1: right and then junior probably took over his father's crew i mean his brother's crew would be my guess exactly
0: when john probably when johnny probably took over more boss responsibilities before he died or something like that, or more, or
1: being. Because he was never a boss. Tony says that early on, you know, like he ran his own crew, but he was never like the top guy. So. So that makes
0: sense that a lot of Johnny's old crew is probably those guys that are Junior's crew that will see a little that we see when Tony goes to see Junior in in the coffee house and all those kind of older dudes that are hanging right. around, that are all yes men, that are Johnny's and Junior's yes men. So okay, so Livia basically it's just a funny scene between the two of them and she tells him he smells like a french whore because he's wearing the the uh the cologne that johnny wore and she shows how he's trying to get in johnny's pant, pants so to speak with everything talking to livia but livia probably nicer to junior than she ever was to johnny to be to be quite honest so ultimately this all leads to him leaving and or her making a suggestion don't let anyone get over on you and he goes no one will get over on me no one got over johnny too And then she just changed the subject quickly. And this is Olivia move. Well, how's your Jewish friend? It's, it's just this weird transition that she likes to do in this manipulation transition. She does it later to Artie Bucco too, a similar kind of thing. And she just says it. And Tony's like, or Junior goes, Hesh? Uh, I don't know. What are you saying about Hesh? Are you, you he's not my friend. He's Tony's friend. And she goes, yep, my husband loved that guy. And Tony thinks every word he says is great. Livy is so good because she doesn't actually ever say it. She just – and I didn't even get that the first time I was watching it. I didn't get what she was inferring. But Junior does, and Junior immediately goes, are you saying I need to tax hash? And he finds it amusing because he looks at it as what it is. You're just fucking with Tony. You really want to clunk his cojone here because of him putting you into this place. You, you're, you're, and she, he, you know what's going on. You're, you're a pretty smart woman. And she goes, No, I'm a uh, blathering idiot. <laughs> and he goes, Yeah. And I'm paying shortstop for the Mets. Right.
1: And, and she, but she also probably thought for years that her own husband got screwed over because he never paid.
0: Yeah, because he had some arrangement with Hesh. Because Heshy is a good businessman, is a good way of, as we see towards the end of the episode, he obviously lays in on that guilt to Tony and probably did the same thing with Tony's father about, about don't don't fuck with my money here. Come on, right? And, he,
1: and she also says. Whoever heard of a Jew riding horses? Like, <laughs> yeah. Having the conversation.
0: <laughs> okay, so then we get to Tony's Gumar ar- arena as we get a funny line with, watch the balls. <laughs> and uh, we can kind of yeti out of this scene a little bit. There's a couple of funny lines where. Where he's saying, you communist fuck, like when they get into a fight. There's class, a couple of classic Tony lines. But, I mean, there's not too much to this scene, actually. You know? Shut up, you Let me talk. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Tony. <laughs> it, basically, Tony can't get it up is basically what the scene is about. She, she comes in, jumps on him to be like, okay, let's get it on. And he can't do it. And he kind of plays it off in that way where he gets pissed off about something. He's not really angry about because his equipment doesn't work. And she calls him out on it, which starts a fight. And I mean, that's anything else you want to say about that scene. There's a fun, no, like, he says, he says, why
1: can't we talk? Like, but that Tony doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to talk.
0: Doesn't wanna... He doesn't, no. He doesn't give two shits. I think that whole scene can be summed up with the line with the, the the end line where it is. Uh you you burned me, you Russian bastard. No, it's uh where's the that's line? The next, that's the other
1: scene. That's the scene when she dresses up.
0: Oh yeah. Or to, I think it's the same scene in this episode. I think it's I think it's only one scene. I will not I'll knock you out, you communist cunt. And the to sum up that whole 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 scene because he asks her to dress up. You're right, Matt. Matt, that's the scene that's where That's later. Is it later? Yeah, that's a separate episode because this is this is before he's had the dreams at this Oh, point. okay. You're right, Matt. You're absolutely right. So but the funniest part or the element of this scene is you, you're talking to me. You're treating me like some dildo. No, if you were a dildo, we wouldn't be fighting. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's a really great line. And then he throws money at her and she says, I'm not a prostitute," Whatever. And leaves. Okay. <laughs> the- so we are at Satriales and there, we see that it's actually Satriales. We know it is because it's in... Because you see, it's a Christopher, he's in where she's actually cutting meat inside the, the deli, right?
0: Yeah, he is. We cut over to Christopher. Uh, S- Sam says, <laughs> wait, this. Uh, okay, thanks. The Jewish guild is a powerful thing. Believe me, I know. Believe me and believe Matt. We know. And imagine Tony trying to get hard. It's so awkward for me, says Sam. And Matt, you're kind of echoing. Oh, never mind, it's fixed. The, the echoey thing is just the Google Hangouts. We always have a a nicer-sounding audio version of this that you can download on issuesprogram.com or find the feed in the description below and, uh, and or find us on, on iTunes. And uh, that's usually a much better audio quality. But a Google Hangouts, just gets all echoey sometimes for some reason. So, uh, yeah, we go over to Satrialli's and Christopher's sporting the V-neck tank top. And it's just, we get the feeling that Christopher is very well-liked by everyone in the Bing staff. That's just the only thing to take from that moment. Satriales, not the Bing. From Satriales, thank you. And I'm sure the Bing staff, too, but everyone loves Christopher. Because he's probably been the kid that's been hanging out there forever. And uh, Dicker says, Prozac really does do that kind of antidepressant thing. I, I would agree with that. And that, that makes you more depressed than ever. I would say that I have... Experimented, or when I was going through some crap with that, and I had a similar reaction to some antidepressants. Well, that... nothing
1: clears up uh, depression like emasculating you at the same time, right? <laughs> Very true. And I, Mick, Mick Dicker knows. <laughs> Mick That's Dicker. a hell of a name. You would definitely know.
0: <laughs> so, so Christopher, this is where we get the line from Christ- from uh, Pussy that uh, I've eaten more queens than Lancelot. <laughs> Thank you. Good night, everybody. I'm Pussy. <laughs> And Christopher basically comes in and tells him that Hesh wants to talk to him. And he's like, tell Hesh to come inside. No, uh, no, he wants to uh, talk to you outside. What are they playing, by the way? Are they playing? Are they playing? It's Mendesky Martin, and Wood. Oh,
1: is it really? Well, the, the music in the background is. Yeah, it is? Okay, they, interesting.
0: And that's, what, okay,
1: so that's why you're like, this is the best episode music-wise. Well, I, was, well, I heard that. when Even the dream sequences, <laughs> there's great music playing throughout the entire thing. Even when Junior is with Livia... You can hear the music in the background. It's it's like really old-timey music. That whole shot when they were in the, the home with Libya is just is great. Like the two of them sitting at that table together.
0: Yeah, it, re- it really is. You can't say enough good things about the sound design on The Sopranos from the music that they picked to fit each scene. It really set the standard for a lot of things to come. And that was one of the elements of drama that really carried through from The Sopranos that you see in shows at its best, shows like Sons of Anarchy, Breaking Bad, things like that, where the, the music plays such an important role. And I would say The Sopranos really influenced a lot of programming in doing that, more so than it influenced it in some other ways.
1: So, and yet, the music was always... Was the weird thing about The Sopranos, and I know I brought this up a bunch of times, as opposed to Breaking Bad, is it was always the background though, and it wasn't like a driving force. But they just did a great, it just complemented all the. It complimented.
0: good very good point, Matt. And here we go. So, so this, so ultimately, we get, oh, uh, we get some really fun, uh, quick, but quick, quick stuff with the guys, like with Pussy and all the guys at the table. But Matt's right, we don't really get a lot of that. It's just one scene, and we're done. And also, Matt, do you have? Do you, i was also curious. What do you know? What card game they were playing?
1: Oh no! I didn't see what card.
0: I, it was probably it was probably gin bridge, some ver- version of bridge or something. At first, I thought it was poker, but uh, but then I, when I watched the scene, go, thinking about the episode before rewatching it, I thought it was poker in my memory, but it definitely wasn't poker. <laughs> definitely wasn't the poker. Okay, so Tony goes out and finds Hesh, and just to sum this whole situation up, Hesh is it, I appreciate it. Hesh. Hesh is really good in this scene because he comes there and he's like, Tony, your uncle's. You're a fair, your father was a fair man, you're a fair man, your, or, your, or your uncle, not so fair. And he wants to tax me, Tony. It's almost like, in the way he leads up to it, Hesh is like, he's like just get to the fucking
1: point already. Right. And Hesh is basically, ultimately, this is serious, this is Which really Junior serious. tells Tony to do later on in the episode. It's funny. Octavius, you know what I mean? Like, they're all, they're all long-winded and won't get to the fucking point.
0: Yeah, just get to the fucking point already. And Hesh is, he's taxing me, Tony. And Tesh has a fair point. He goes, when you become boss, you can either respect the old rules or make rules for yourself. I'm not objecting the fact that he's taxing me. That You, got, you Sopranos didn't tax me for so long, cause, and I thank you for that, but I fully accept that
1: I will get a tax. It's just the amount. And you see how, just intelligent, his understanding of that, knowing when he comes into play. Like, you just realize how intelligent Hesh is and how much he knows. He knows this whole game, the whole hustle.
0: Yep. And he basically says, I have to leave. He kind of guilts Tony into doing something for him. He goes, I'm going to leave. If you don't do what I want, I'm leaving. And Tony's like, you're not leaving. You won't get away from this action. I remember, and this comes back later, I have six gold, I think it's six gold records. Is that what Six gold records. Six gold records. You you, hashy. you you didn't write six gold records you had some you had some uh, poor poor schmuck working for you that wrote six gold records and you yeah. well, black six black kids he says wrote yeah. six black I'm kids wrote those eyes. records and you put yourself a co-writing credit on it
1: yeah
0: it's it's a kind of funny scene it does come back later to uh, just it, and does it come back later this season or is it next season? i think it's this season actually
1: no, it's it's much later. Is
0: I it think. much later? Uh, we're gonna find out. I I want to say that that episode comes clo- comes quicker than I no, think. No,
1: because doesn't because Adriana ends up having something to do with. Right, Adriana already has the club at that point. You're right, Matt. Well, no, because she's dealing with that kid too. They have that kind. They have a deal, and he's playing. Remember, she's playing her band for that oh, for God. the kid that goes after. I Hesh. can't wait to get to that stuff. Whatever. Sorry.
0: I think no. I'm I think I'm confusing it with D Girl, but yeah. All right. Okay so uh, so oh no McDicker says no, it's this season. okay so no really? oh, well, maybe we have that to look, we
1: have that to look forward to. That but, also means more Adriana that's not a bad
0: thing <laughs> that's never a bad. more Adriana is or nope. Adriana wearing less and more of her is never a bad thing, right Matt? Okay, absolutely. so, so Tony and Carmela sleep. We zoom in on Tony and we zoom in again to see him in Irina's bed surrounded by candles. There's doo-wop music. Matt mentioned this earlier. The music is really excellent. The way that they sync it up to Tony singing along to the music, it's just excellent editing from an editing perspective. It just all works really perfect to the point where he's getting head And The only thing that's uncomfortable again is watching James Gandolfini get pleasure. It's not something mm-hmm. I would ever want to do, but, but it's something you have to suffer through. It's one of those pills, big, ugly uh, pills. You need to swallow when watching the Sopranos. You have to accept that you're going to see a lot of James Gandolfini in in compromising positions, a lot of him. Hey, but, running.
1: Who would, but who would you want to see get pleasure? What guy would you want to watch? I don't know. Show?
0: I wouldn't, if we're going for the show, I would, I would, I would, by far, have less of a problem seeing Christopher in similar scenes. Yeah, yeah. Or AJ. <laughs> even, or AJ or Syl even you know, like because he would make it yeah, that's funny. You, that's because you wish it was you pleasuring still. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, Tell me about Bruce. Tell me about Max <laughs> yeah. Weinberg again. But but ultimately, it's it's Tony is like the worst option for me. <laughs> no, maybe uh, maybe Bobby Bacala. Bobby Bacala or Vito as we get to Vito later. So, or, or, original Vito, like fat Vito. So, yeah. okay. So Tony and Carmel are sleeping. We see Tony grin, grinning, and sings along the song. And he, someone's coming up under other sheets and, from going down on him. And he looks up. We hear Ar- Arena's voice, and yeah. it is in fact not Arena. It is Lorraine Bracco and and Milfie. It's it's just it's and Milfy says in a weird dubbed Russian accent, "Tony, I love your cannoli." He wakes up to hearing Carmela say, are you OK? Or is this when she says you want sex? No, that's
1: later. That's later. OK.
0: He sa- that's the second up- dream. That's the second dream. He says, are you OK? And he tells her to go back to sleep. And are you sure you're all right? And she asks again.
1: <laughs>
0: and Sam says, Haha, ha, there's not much of a choice for guys on this show. No. I'll keep my eye candy to Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's there for males, I guess, and we're gonna get into it later, as someone pointed out, doesn't Furio look like Data in the in the comment section. I think he does. Now you say that, I think so. He does.
1: But with I like g- with, with with long hair.
0: I guess Furio and Christopher, and then we eventually eventually get Vinny from uh, or what is? His, I forget what his character's name is on the show, but Vinny, no, but from, he's,
1: he's Vinny from Doogie Howser.
0: Vinny from Doogie Howser, that are all kind of good-looking guys, I guess. Oh,
1: and the kid the kid from A Bronx Tale that's
0: yeah, in jail. Yeah, C, or C from A Bronx Tale, eventually comes in the show. And some could say Jackie, uh, Jackie Jr. is a, an attractive man,
1: too. But we don't watch this show to fantasize about
0: the men. So. No, no, no. But none of these people are – guy or girl – regardless of what we think about Adriana or or Meadow later seasons no one's really attractive or beautiful in this show no, it's all the
1: bing girls but they're just yeah they're not the, really
0: characters yeah they're not characters and they're not really real girls <laughs> i mean those aren't real what we're seeing no, on the bing none girls. of it is actually real you're right the, those are cg boobs i think they just have big green they're not even implants they just they just they all have like green screen boobs on and they they George Lucas the boobs and all the butt big girls Oh, gosh. Alley Boy is good looking. And uh, yeah, there, there's a couple people here and there in the show. And and I would say for girls, our our best looking comes later in D-Girl. She's probably the most attractive girl for me that was on the show. And I know you're an Adriana person, but I was team Christopher with the, uh, the D-Girl episode. I'm a fan of that actress from an attractive standpoint, so... Um, the double posting is just on your perspective, McDicker. For some reason, it does that sometimes, but we're not actually seeing double. We're not seeing double, McDicker. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that, and I never knew. We, we're not seeing double, McDicker.
1: <laughs> right, that's like a line from, like, Spaceballs.
0: Yeah, we totally be a line from Spaceballs or something. <laughs> so, okay, so Carbell says you're okay. So we go back to the Manhattan skyline, and we see a mandolin player in a bar guy, in a tan blazer asks Tony... So what do you want New York to do? Tony fiddles his little ring and we finally meet our Johnny Sack. And basically it's Tony spelling out what he wants Johnny Sack to do. He wants Johnny Sack to act like Hesh came to him to mediate and to basically do his agenda and say it was coming from him. And... Johnny Sack is our basic New York representative for most of the season. We meet. And I love
1: how they introduced it. Just by, the only way you know that is he just goes, "What do you want New York to do?" And that's it. And like right there, you know who Johnny Sack is. You know,
0: right? Ab- absolutely. And you also the way he says, "Oh, you are still running things." You also yeah. get a little bit more of understanding. He's probably a little conniving. Probably just always trying to get ahead in the situation.
1: And I, I like Johnny Sack. I. How he's his, a great character. Whether you like his character or not, his, he, the actor is great. As, um, he, absolutely. A the
0: only fish. thing that's uncomfortable about Johnny Sack is not spoilers. The way his character arc concludes is very uncomfortable for me to watch from a visual standpoint. Yeah. The way it comes out in that final episode he has is very hard to watch. And it's great. It's so it's well It's so done. great. Such great acting. Like, but it's on that verge of when you watch, not the same exact thing, but like when you watch Requiem for a Dream, and it's a movie I'll never watch twice, but I'll never say it was a bad movie. It's all of Aronofsky's movies I could say that about. I never watched twice. Yeah. But he's very good at giving you that kind of feeling. And I think the Sopranos with the conclusion of the Johnny Sack arc really I do- have
1: only I have only gone and got Scorpion Bowls with my wife one time and we went and got <laughs> that. It was after we saw Black Swan, because we were like, we gotta go. To yeah, we need, to
0: dr- we need oh. to drink you need to drink. Absolutely. McDicker says, I love Livia's term for him, the snake from New York. Wren says, I do love little Steven, but that's because of his other job with Springsteen. A- absolutely. Sills not a great actor. The fact that they brought, he's a good character. And I think the reason why he got brought onto the show and was originally going to read for Tony when David Chase's first perspective for this was because David Chase thought about it probably more comedic, more like Lily Lily
1: Hammer's actually actually ended up being, where it's just he's still all the time. why the hell would he go pick someone who's never acted before? That he's, always blows my mind. Like, why do they think of that? But he's actually great as still. He's like... Right. He's the perfect... He's the perfect still. He would have been a horrible Tony. Oh, yeah.
0: He would have been a horrible Tony. But, but I love... I actually... He's my favorite part of the uh, of Springsteen's band. I just love him. He just has some, so much style. He's just a, he's just a great guy. I remember before I even knew who he was, I pointed that guy in the band. I'm like, I like that guy. He's really cool. And if you know his story. He always shows up and leaves at his own request. He's never actually he like never actually quit the band. He's just like I'm sick of this for a while and he leaves. And then he just shows back up and he says Bruce never really says anything to me. I just show up. I come back. I heard there's a really cool interview with him on the Howard Stern show. If you haven't heard it, where you get to know a lot more about him as an actor and how the whole situation happened. And it's uh, and as a performer, he's a very interesting, quirky dude that's very sill like in real life. So that snake from New York and him, he leaves, and he eventually goes back over to Carmela, who's sitting at a table, all pissed off. And again, I think it's something that most people can relate to. So Carmela's just sitting there really pissed off, and Tony's like, oh, how's the veal? And she's like, like rubber, and he goes over and eats it. Mm, tastes good to me. And then they come and serenade, serenade the two of them, and he's just...
1: Oh, it's it's sent over from Johnny who, like, you know, holds his glass up to him.
0: Holds his glass up. It's just a really uncomfortable situation because Carmella is really cold and really pissed off about him going over to talk to Johnny Sack for 10 minutes. She goes, well, we're going to get a room. This is our anniversary, not yours. It's your and mine anniversary, not yours, mine, and Johnny fucking Sack. We're going to go to the plaza, get a room. I thought maybe we could do it tonight. Okay, Tony, forget about it. And... Okay, what's your opinion of this, Matt? Did Tony could Tony have just let this alone for one fucking night? Are you are you on Carmela's side in this situation?
1: Well, obviously, she's going to be pissed off about it. What do you think? She's going to be fine with it? Again, you always come to the defense that she knew what she was signing up for when she married Tony Soprano. But I think, I think yes, and I think Tony walking over and talking to a friend for 10 minutes isn't, isn't a reason. On your anniversary, you're going to leave your wife it's sitting just at a for table 10 by for 10 minutes? 10 minutes! He's By herself try- in the middle of the meal, when she's got the fucking veal in front of her, you'll uh, leave for 10 minutes? That's if you're in
0: the If you're in the military, and if we're going to accept that the mafia is some form the way Tony looks at it as a perspective and you get a call and you get you have to run away from whatever situation you're at even your family to go fulfill whatever when they call you
1: on the phone when they call you well, into and the thing was the thing was same too. with the they call. Were in the city. they were in new york too that's why it was talking.
0: an easy moment he probably said carmel i'll be back in in five minutes he, he took 10 minutes i'm just saying was, I see both sides to He I, was and, trying hard. He wasn't being usual. Tony's been a lot worse for human being to her than this. I know, this.
1: but she's already worried that he's cheating on her more. That's than why she's pissed. pissed. Exactly, Matt. And he, he can't get it up, and all this stuff's He happened. can't get so it up. He so really feels like she's losing him at
0: this you point. Just put, you just put it in perfect perspective. He can't get it up, so Carmel's not getting any, her her once a week that she needs or whatever. So Or that... Or, or feeling like Tony's pushing himself on her, or her, their anniversary, he's not excited about that or pushing the issue. He, he, she's pissed off about this milfy stuff. If none of that was going on, he just went over to talk to Johnny Stack for 10 minutes, who eventually buys them a romantic song for the moment, she probably would have been okay with it. It wasn't so much, I think, anything to do with her talking to Johnny Stack. Let's jump in the chat for one second. To- Ren says, Tony is trying so hard to give Carmela a nice anniversary, but she's having none of it. For one night, she wants to be the center of his attention, but Tony is like a doctor who's never off duty. Yeah, as cold as her dress. Sam says, yeah, I understand why she's mad, but that really doesn't put forth an effort to make up. And I guess that's what's important. She she deserves to be mad in that situation. I understand I understand both perspectives, too. Like I said, we we haven't got to really bad Carmela yet to me. But... I mean, I think when you're married to some guy like Tony, he's never off-duty. And you know that. And you knew that going in. He's just that type of person. You're in New York. Johnny Sack is there. He's going to kill two birds with one stone. He's just one of those kind of people. And Carmela's not that gooey-ooey that this is that big of a deal to her.
1: And she loves the fucking money and lifestyle that his job allows her to have.
0: Exactly. So... This this helps put food on your table, and Tony was, and I just mean Tony was really actually. Can kind of it tastes like rubber, the veal. Yep. and okay, I know he's a uh, he is a lying cheat. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my god. So, anyways, Tony sells and he was muting mutter mutters, and I was uh, there for ten fucking minutes. And don't do this. Should I call the pl-? and he eventually apologizes and she kind of relents, but he says, should I call the Plaza for tonight? And she goes, no, let's just go home. So they go back to the garage. Carmel unbuckles the car, unbuckles and gets. What do her.
1: he explains to her? He explains to her is this. It right, is it? Is it was when they're in the in the car, or is it here when he explains to her about the Prozac? He tries to explain about the.
0: I think it. It ends up. It ends up coming. It's in the car. It's in this next scene. The Mercedes pulls into the garage as Carmel unbuckles and prepares to go out. Tony says, "Here, Carm, come on." Carmelo says, "What? You don't want me to say? I don't know. It's. It's like you skeeve me." And she res- and she resents it. Or, or, you've changed, Tony, and I resent it. And he slumps back in his yeah. seat. She goes, I resent it because you're destroying what little self-esteem I have. She adds, sometimes I think you skeeve her. And Tony's like, skeeve? What? You're the mother of my child. Fuck, how can I skeeve you? And Carmela bites his head off and says, you see what I'm talking about right there? You're the mother of my children. I feel like I'm just someone you've chosen to procreate with. And Tony says right here, you knew this might happen with the Prozac. So this goes back to what I was saying a second ago where this isn't the first time they've had this conversation. It's a good moment of putting exposition in there without making it seem like exposition. This isn't the first time that this has happened, that Tony's just not usual Tony. He's changed because he's not trying to hump anything that moves all the time. As Christopher says later on, since your midlife crisis, you've tried to hump every peach of the coos that exists, including <laughs> your wife. I love how Christopher calls about that shit later. Okay,
1: so... She makes a reference to one of her friends that like so and so is on it, and she, she'd hump a fire hydrant. Like a fire hydrant, yeah. <laughs>
0: if you'd make a pass at her. So Tony impatiently ex- says that Milfi said it affects different people different ways, which prompt, prompts prompts Carmela to say, "Oh, she told you that," and uh, huff off in the, into the car, into the house. And to- Tony rubs his forehead and just goes, "Oh, fucking a. Eh? I need a drink. Hmm. Ooh, that's a very good wine. So he cuts to Tony performing the coffee ceremony again in milfie's office she watches him for a moment and she says before we start this is what i hate before we start we need to talk about the coffee situation it's not appropriate to take gifts she says tony stares and goes it's just fucking coffee you make the rules and she goes i just don't want it anymore and tony's like can i drink it can i drink mine and right there the phone rings and we get yada 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 someone's trying to fuck with her with her car and she does the right thing where she goes, fuck you, I want a second opinion. And Tony makes note of that just to make note for it later. And then we get into a very funny scene where Tony goes, you know, I'm feeling better. I think I'm going to flush the medication. And she's like, what? You're going to flush the medication? And he goes, yeah. I'm getting some side effects. And she just keeps naming the side effects. And, And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Well, some people experience a lost sexual libido. Bingo! It, uh, and it's just a, it's a funny exchange between the two of them because he's embarrassed to say it straight out, and, but he just keeps going about it. And she finally gets in and she goes, well, some people have the lost libido and they have trouble maintaining a...
1: Bingo. Bingo.
0: <laughs> and Milfie says... But Milfy goes, uh, have you I don't think it's the Prozac. It might be some other, it might be something else. Have you thought about getting a proctology exam? And he goes, <laughs> What's the line, Matt? I, I, don't, I don't even I don't let even let I don't even let somebody like wave a finger in my face. Yeah. It's just, like that. And she straight out laughs. And she she says, I'm sorry, and he goes, Don't apologize. Tony's real big smile, straight up starting to realize this whole situation and obviously had his first sex dream about her, says, you have a nice laugh. And she goes, hey, I'm serious. This is probably the most flirtatious she's been with him up until the point. She's straight up flirtatious with him right here. I mean, at least, I mean, I might be rating it wrong, but he just seems.
1: He hasn't really, really crossed lines yet either.
0: Right, exactly. So she's just kind of opening up, getting more of a rapport with him.
1: And here comes the
0: Prozac and here comes the (laughs) I'm doing better with these sound drops. Anyway, so uh, Ren says, I think she likes having the power over this dangerous man. She's trying to change the beast. Hmm. That's And I, I think considering where it goes with her, I, again, Ren, amazing point as usual. I do agree with that. And I think it's also sport for her in a sense that she can fix him. and, and, to where it ends up, if we look at the whole Milfi arc, how it all concludes itself.
1: Well, you, you find out more about her ex, her ex Right, her ex-husband. Ex ex, but I'm
0: saying, too. like, the final conclusion of it, Matt, the, the ultimate conclusion. Yeah, and when we find out about her ex-husband, you're absolutely right. That has a lot to do with it as well. And about, about ch- choosing someone and being close or having a relationship with someone that's the antithesis of what her husband hates about Italians. And that she yeah. can do something he can't by actually trying to help and reach these people. But... When she finally gets the science behind that she couldn't, you know, where it ends up going in the end, I don't want to say that. She, yeah, the decision she makes is very important. And I can't wait till we get to that final season because I feel like the show fucked up and made a mistake and went against character and her final decisions that she makes at the end. But we'll get there. But we will get there. Um, I don't want to get too far down that. That route, but I kind of do, but I'm not going to right now. Okay, so Tony says, I apologize. Milfy's in serious mode again. She informs Tony that depressing is also, depression is also the leading factor in impotence. She says, if he ever awakens with an erection in the morning or the middle of the night, Tony tells you that you could set a clock by it. It's a funny 80s movie. I, I'm trying to forget what it is, but where a character's pretending to be imp- impotent or saying that they're impotent, where someone gives him the suggestion of putting... When you pass out, put stamps around, or like stickers around your around your penis. And then if you get an erection in the sleep, it will break the seal of it or something. And it's never
1: heard that. It's in a movie. It's in some. Oh, I'm, just so you know, I'm echoing right now, too. So oh, you do you hear yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh, my
0: gosh. Let me let me try. Is that better, Matt?
1: Uh, yes.
0: OK. Sorry about that. Matt. Oh, let me I have to turn you up a little bit. OK, so sorry about that. I'm not hearing it. I'm, I'm not hearing an echo. So I don't know if the audience is hearing Matt no, echo
1: when they heard it before. I had heard it before, too, when they said that earlier on. So,
0: OK, sorry. Sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. Uh, as I mentioned, there is an audio version which will have none of these little uh, little problems. But you will hear us talking about it and you'll be like, what the fuck? That sounded great to right. me. What are you talking about? The people that listen to our audio cast, which we do have some people. Thank you so much for downloading our audio cast. They're like, you guys sound perfect. I don't know what all this talk about cut streams are or anything like that. As Sam says, yeah, that was happening with me. The the echoing was happening. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, so then we see, then we cut after this scene to a truck showing up that is just unloading all this stuff that Carmella is buying to make herself feel better. (laughs) And she's just, this is where the, the counterbalance comes where Carmella is. She's kind of feeding into it a little bit here and to get back at Tony is just spending a lot of money. That's her comeback. Can I tell you
1: what I wrote here? Yes, please. I'm not going to say the word, but this is all I wrote was Carmella and then I wrote the word that's spelled C-U-N-T next to it. So I was on your side right here because she was such a little bitch in this scene.
0: Yeah, and and Tony suggests joking. Tony's just uh, already accepting it, and Tony's suggesting that they move to the store itself and save Whatever delivery. It's char- called, yeah, yeah, Rocheau Bowie's or something, and yeah. save the delivery charge. And Carmelo shrugs. Fine, I'll just send it back. I hate that shit. I fucking yeah. hate that shit. That is when I get pissed off at her. And again, she does an excellent job because people are like this. I'm like this sometimes when I'm pissed off at somebody. I get weirdly passive aggressive. Like, that. fine, I'll do it and i want to punch myself maybe that's why i hate carmelo so much cuz i see myself in her so i get pissed off about it <laughs> but it's just it really upsets me this scene with her it this is like the beginning
1: of when i'm, I'm sure, cuz tony's tr- again tony is trying he goes no no right no. he's doing what she wants him to do he's in therapy he's on Prozac he's moving up in the world his best friend just died He's dealing with this crazy mother, and this is how she's acting. Yeah, and he just and he goes, he goes, no, 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 I'm not saying to send it
0: back. But you've been spending like a drunken sailor all week, and and he goes, and she goes, no, I'll said I'll send it back, and she like says it really like, really bitchy. She goes, I said I'll send it back, and Tony goes. Mother of Christ, Carmela! I didn't say that, Jesus! And then stomps into the house. Carmela looks smug as shit, and she just watches the watches them move stuff in. I just I feel so bad for Tony in this scene. To be honest, 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 I feel fucking bad for Tony. Did you fucking do it? No, I, I didn't do it, Tony. <laughs> Carmela did it you understand? Yeah, I understand, Tony. I'm sorry, buddy. I I just I feel really bad for him in in this moment. And you f- and I feel like no matter what he does, he's kind of up against it with Carmela sometimes. And it's because she's still processing. And something about Carmela is she's hot and cold. She's when she she takes time to process things and then she'll come back even at the end of this episode where she's like she this is her processing the Milfie thing and processing the strong that he has another strong, smart woman in his life that isn't just some whore that he can, Who's probably smarter and and more successful than him. Exact someone that as we get future into the meadow and Carmela arc that's right. more like what
1: what Meadow ends up becoming, rather. Right, because she can call all the gumas just whores and not be jealous of them. You know it, what I mean? Oh, they're sluts. I'm better than them. I'm, I'm better, better, than than them. better than them. I have my real. I got my real estate degree.
0: I'm better than them. Yeah. Or, but she's just, you know, she's a smart. She's just a smarter, stronger individual when it comes down right. to it. But then you meet people like what what Meadow eventually becomes and what uh, Milfy is, and Carmela just doesn't know how to deal with that. She 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 goes into panic mode. And so, Okay, so we get, now we're at Satriales, and this is <laughs> – I'm sorry. I can't. This is, again, one of the scenes that makes me love The Sopranos. The Sopranos was so only these kind of scenes from beginning to end, in 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is, of these kind of scenes, of just them sitting sitting in front of Satriales and dealing with this kind of shit, but it being Satriali's back and forth. I, I, I'd be okay. And even the way that this scene is written humor-wise – and Junior just sits there, doesn't look up the whole time, because he knows what this all is. I'm sure he knows this game, he knows this ruse. And because he's not stupid, and he's just eating, he doesn't even look up the whole time. And Johnny Sack go, goes into this whole diatribe Junior, I want to pay you super respect, blah, blah, blah. Hesh came to me, I'm sorry I came to him. And then
1: Tony, why didn't you come to me? <laughs> I'm not going to come to you after, you know, after the boss of the family told me one thing. How would that look if I went to you afterwards? It's amazing.
0: <laughs> Ren says, "I always think what a brutal man Tony is, and yet he does not use that brutality against his family. He kind of does with AJ later on, but not really, not really at but all. AJ,
1: that was that should have been done so much earlier with AJ. Yeah, AJ it came, it like came way too one. late. And."
0: Yeah, it came way too late for him. And he and he maybe shows it to Carmela once or twice when we deal with the money situation, but not really. He never really brings full Tony Soprano to to Carmela. She never sees when he gets into an episode where he talks about the two Tony Sopranos. You've only seen one of them. I want to show you the other one. He's talking to Milfi when he says that in the later episode, but ultimately Carmela sees very little of the other Tony Sobrano, the bear in that metaphor of that particular right. season. Uh, let's go into the chat one more second. McDicker says, Carmella simply isn't very talented. <laughs> You're going to love this one, Matt. Carmela simply isn't very talented. Maybe that's where AJ gets it from. <laughs> my God. Oh, God. I do not want to get to next week anymore or next episode. Don't,
1: don't, you're ruining this. I'm, I'm not sorry.
0: Not I'm not ruining that. such a great episode and such a great scene, too. So, okay. So, so Hesha sits there and Tony makes this big show saying, in all due respect, he doesn't think Johnny should, should tell Junior how to run his family. Where do you get off Johnny's sack? It's such bad acting. Where do you get off saying that in my family? And uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect to see the Statue of Liberty again fucking with a man as tough as your your Uncle Junior. And Junior's just like, yeah, whatever. And Johnny says, Hesh is an old friend of New York as well as Tony, so someone had to step in so someone doesn't get fucked. I, I never said fucked, says Hesh. Hesh corrects him. Tony tells him, Barely keeping a wink-wink out of his voice, he tells him that Hesh didn't come to him first instead of airing your dirty laundry in public. Hesh plays the part, grumbling. Junior knew how he felt. How would it look if I went to you? So Johnny calls out. Bottom line is, what are we going to do about this? Junior shoots a look to Tony and says something. I bet you guys have a suggestion. Just to let you know that Junior knows what's going on because he looks yeah. right at Tony and goes, I bet you have a suggestion of what should happen.
1: No, he says it to Johnny because Johnny's the one. Oh,
0: he says. does say it to Johnny, but he's kind of almost glazing at at, yeah. at Tony a
1: little bit. He side eyes Tony. I have a feeling you got a suggestion for me.
0: <laughs> and this is the funniest line, maybe the funniest. It's in competition with Pussy's line for the funniest line of the episode. And part of why I just love Johnny Sack because he just has amazing line, lines dialogue like this. If there are any flies in you, Junior, they'd be paying fucking rent. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone laughs except for junior, who just goes huh. Huh. wow i could i could i could I could learn to live like this like he starts to just really have so much fun as you were mentioning earlier, Matt really awesomely mentioned earlier that Junior is re- he's high off this. This is the first hit of marrow of weed he's ever smoked, and he's starting to get a little ha ha, ha he's high. Got
1: one of the guys from New York, a bigwig from New York, coming up here paying respect to him, like, yeah, pandering to him,
0: yeah, pandering to him, and he's just like amazing. So we get into this whole thing, yada yada yada, and 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 five hundred thousand is too much, and Junior's like whoa, and he goes. They basically agree to 300 grand for the back tax and the two points in the shy, and at one and a half points in the shy. And he he talks him down to 250. That's what I'm saying. Hesh immediately goes, 250. And Junior smiles and goes, What did I tell you? Hold on to your cocks when you negotiate with these desert people. And then everyone laughs in relief
1: as, okay, Junior, maybe Junior's gonna be okay as they shake on it. And is it Sam? Is Sam the one that's watching this for the first time right now? Yes. Like that, just that scene in front of Satriali's is just—it's like just such a great place, and so many important things just happen sitting out there on that tiny coffee table in front of in front of the the deli. It's amazing.
0: And this is something I want to mention because I feel like it doesn't get said enough, and I don't know what they do, but every time we get a Satriali scene, the sky. Look so yeah. fucking cool. I I don't know yeah. how they shoot it. If they shoot it at a slightly low angle, so we're always looking up a little bit in it. I, I'd, I'd have to really think about it from a technical th- uh, camera standpoint. But they do some really interesting ways that they frame shots at Satrielles. That it's it's just so iconic
1: and kind of different. Looks different than any other way they shoot any other kind of scenes in The Sopranos. My favorite shot in the entire series, I'm not going to ruin it right now and say what it is, happens in front of Alley's towards the end of the show. And it's like what you said. The sky pays, plays a part. Does it, it involve an animal? Yes, it does. Okay. And it's the greatest shot in the whole series. <laughs> okay, I know exactly what it is.
0: It's one of my favorite scenes, too. Oh, it's,
1: it's amazing.
0: It's it's really awesome, dude. I, it really is. Visually, it's great. I love the Alley stuff. I know my spellings. but comp- uh don't worry about your spelling and don't worry about my math. Your spelling is completely acceptable when you're watching a podcast with someone that mispronounces every possible word he could possibly could at any possible time. So I appreciate that. Okay, so, so this is where back in Tony's, uh, back in Tony's dream is he's taking a piss and he looks over the shower to see a woman inside the shower. The shower door slowly opens to reveal a naked body. And we cut to Lorraine
1: Bracco's, well, body double. Well, it's Milfie Yeah, saying, I was going to say that body is entirely too hot. Yeah, entirely to be passed off as, as Lorraine in fairness, Lorraine. In
0: fairness, Lorraine Bracco between seasons of The Sopranos was in a live theater show. I remember seeing this on a on a this coming season of The Sopranos, and she actually went naked on stage. It wasn't in it
1: wasn't hair, but it was that, it, that looks like a bing girl in the shower though. It really does. It, it does. It does, Matt. No doubt. But again, it's his dream. Of course, in his dream, he's not going to picture her what you know, forty-five to fifty-year-old Lorraine mm-hmm. Bracco really looks like. He's going to envision it you know, however he envisions it in his head. Great,
0: great, great way of saying that. And I also think that's important to think about that. A lot of the Sopranos, and especially when we're in the dreams, we are seeing things from Tony's perspective in the same way on a show like How I Met Your Mother from the standpoint of Ted telling you our narrator is our, un, it's, we're almost at times with Tony getting our, getting, which is almost a trope for TV and movies, the unreliable narrator. And right. to, and Tony is very much the way he talks about things, the way he looks at things and the way 75% of the narratives from The Sopranos is, is from Tony's perspective, and it's an unreliable narrator. You're getting things from Tony's perspective. You're not getting the om, om, omnipresent eye in the sky the way you get in something like The Wire. It's, it, on The Sopranos, it's very much Tony-centric, and the, you're looking at things through Tony's eyes from scene to scene. So, and, it's even, and it becomes more more intensified when we, when we deal with Tony's dream sequences. So, so it ends up being MILFy, Mr. Soprano. Uh, and it's just, it's really kind of a creepy moment. And Tony bolts up in, in the middle of the night. And <laughs> I just think this is so weird because I've never,
1: the way Carmela wakes up and just turns to him and goes sex. Do you want sex? Like, you want sex? Like she was like more than willing to just wake up in the middle of the night and give it to him. If he could just possibly get it out for
0: her. What planet are they on, Matt? <laughs> I
1: don't know. What planet does that happen? What what's going on? I mean, Carmela. I mean, honestly, I think part of it though is she. I think she thinks that that would be a way to help him. Like that would yeah. be her way back in where he needs her all of a sudden if uh, she could. Good point,
0: and I and I and I think that she's struggling to try to find a way to connect to him right now. And, and she's
1: to... an old school Italian, where that's part of her job. Yeah i guess to she's do thinking
0: about that. it as her job too like right. is that what you want are you interested now come on yeah, yeah. or maybe
1: if we're she's gonna probably get shot him down a hundred and fifty times a hundred a 1, thousand times in the middle of the night but this is the one time she's like yes anytime you
0: now not to get too graphically gross here but i also think it possibly could be that he woke up and because he was having a dream about milfy it could imply that she felt something rubbing up against her that got very yeah. excited very quick and thought that he was interested in her for that reason. You know, when you're with your partner, you could sort of be able to sense when they're turned on. So you so she woke up and sensed that she she got she got the force for the erection, the force right. erection. And she kind of felt that it was there and turned and goes, Oh, is it sex time? You're finally you're you're okay now. You made it through it. So I think part of it was probably this. And here you go, Matt, because I was wrong cut to Arena peeling her top off uh, from her heels, and he goes, you should you should dress nicer, dress differently, like maybe in a business suit. Cover
1: it up. Make it work a little bit for you. You yeah. know, you, you look too easy. Yeah, you look too easy, basically. <laughs> you want me to dress like a man? No, you fucking... You should, you should put on a suit or something. You
0: want me to dress like a man? Mick Dicker says fucking that... Fucking wackadoo. Mick Dicker says that scene in bed was the opposite of real life. Right. <laughs> so... so yeah wearing nice business though. yeah what do you what do you whack do i know i want you i'm no saying you fucking wacka He he's <laughs> you to look like a man no <laughs> no and uh go jer- it all it, it basically is just here trying to tell her to dress more like milf i'm just saying maybe wear something more professional you know like you're in business arena takes this to mean that he wants her to dress like a hooker and he's and she tells him to fuck off and he tries to explain but sighs heavily and says i ah, forget it and he sits in the bed and he goes come here and she waves her hand no it's, it's, is everyone in my life bananas or what? He mothers to himself. And then, and then uh, he goes, get over here. So she sulks towards him. And when he goes to her, she pulls him in, and she shuts herself in the bathroom and she starts and she yells at him, go jerk off and he sighs so we go to the next scene which is look at this as he's showing where she burned him in the last scene then no you night.
1: didn't say that this is when she throws the thing at him is right here
0: oh i'm sorry yeah you're right matt and uh she waves a hand and she ends up throwing a candle at him and a lit candle at him lit candle uh, at him
1: and it burns him and he like says i'll so, he probably calls her a cunt or something like that <laughs> and she tells him to go jerk off
0: mcdicker says of star wars episode eight the force erection
1: <laughs> I like that. From a galaxy far, far away.
0: So, uh, anyways, so the next scene, as Matt pointed out, he sh- he she got burned. So he's showing her Milfy the burning stuff with a candle injury to his arm, and I love Milfy's reaction. That's not good. And but he's saying that Carmela did that. Carmela gets pretty violent sometimes, which is hilarious. He hasn't,
1: he hasn't come clean with her yet about the Gumars. About has the Gumars, no. No. None of them at all, right? He's never mentioned it? No, I don't think so.
0: I don't think he's mentioned that he's unfaithful to his wife yet at all. Which is interesting because where this ends up going right here. So he goes on to say that with the added problem of the impotence, he thought that maybe they need to spice things up, give him a little jump, get a little jump start. And he suggests that maybe she dress a little different, something more titillating. Milfy pipes up and says that that uh, maybe not all girls like to dress like that maybe it degraded her and Milfy says n- or he says no not sexy lingerie i wanted to dress you know more professional more like you some women are sexier when they dress down understated and and it this
1: goes and then he
0: jumps up well, the scene
1: ultimately no, he says he says a line though too right before he does this where he says i forget exactly oh it's obviously it you have a killer bod under there don't get me wrong and then he says, "Sweet, sweet sounding like a mandolin." What was he? He says that to her at some point that maybe her voice.
0: Yeah, her voice. Yeah, you have a you have a good voice. Like you have a sweet sounding voice, like a mandolin. It's it's a lot of shit that he just keeps feeding into her, and she she wants to hear it because she's thinking about it from a therapeutic standpoint. Where she's like, "Mm-hmm." Tell me about that.
1: Tell I me. thought this was a dream sequence at this point. Once the mandolin thing happens and it gets creepy, I'm like, "Oh, we're back in a dream sequence again."
0: Yep. And Tony gets out of his chair. Oh, you,
1: here it is. Okay. Not only do you play it down, but
0: you're gentle, not loud, sweet-sounding, like a mandolin. And she smiles slightly like she enjoyed the compliment. And Tony gets out of his chair, because that's why I thought it was a dream, too, Matt, when I first saw this, because he, she seems to be into it, and the way she turns to it. Like, when he says, you have a hot bod, oh, no disrespect, she kind of goes, go with it. She doesn't stop him right there and say, don't talk about my body, that's inappropriate. He, she, she goes... No, tell me about that. And he gets into the whole. Well, you're understated. You've got, you know, you got a lot going yeah. on there, and he totally, as we all have, misreads the tea leaves here and goes for the goes in for the kiss, goes full on for for makeout session. And she they
1: actually touch lips. Right? If I mm-hmm. like, and I that, almost like looked away. I was so in shock when it happened.
0: And it's, it's a quick piece of. Uh, information here this scene was initially written for the pilot but this is where we finally get it this was supposed to happen almost right away They thought it didn't. And she says, Could you come back later this afternoon? And he's still standing there, like ready to have her take off her clothes and ready to go into bang mode right there. Like Tony is primed and ready. He's like, Okay, are you going to do that thing that most girls do in The Sopranos to me, where they just immediately take off their clothes and have sex with me immediately right now because I kissed you? And she goes, Okay, then till Tuesday. And he goes, yeah, right. As he seems somewhat bummed, and he he ends up leaving there. And Milfy lets out a sigh, like oh, I got I lucked out in that deal. So then we see her the that night at home reading, as she hears some glass breaking outside and the dog barking. She goes out to the front window and peers outside, and she sees a police cruiser's lights turn on and pull away. Then she's at the garage telling the guy that's working on her car that that she's had a starter problems for a while, and the guy ultimately ends up saying. Listen, there's nothing wrong with your car. Even I wouldn't rip you off for this. you you have a new starter; it almost has the tag on it. So then we get over to the Mikey and one of his boys dragging the drug dealer along the bridge. This is this interesting location. That now this is our second time in the this, same this location. Is the
1: drug dealer that sold the drugs to the kid. If anyone didn't watch the episode, absolutely. Ren they, Ren, they, Ren they sold the drugs to the kid that died. The Taylor's grandson. Ren Renwood hmm the more reserved clothing i
0: have have to wear the sexier underwear i wore under them hey now
1: golly thank you i'd love to say the same about me but yeah, me too i don't think i, have, I own underwear that anyone would classify as sexy <laughs> well i think i have a pair of like batman no no no
0: i'll stop right there <laughs> yeah <but laughs> I'll, I'll, that's just
1: breathe sex
0: bro. yeah doesn't it doesn't it my uh my bat my na 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 na, 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 na batman t- underwears okay under ruse rusty irish thank you mcdicker the ca- the character's name was Rusty Irish. That's right. And uh, Rusty Irish. <laughs> that was the first shower. that Were you thinking the same thing? That was the first shower that fucking asshole ever got. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking I forget the line is. Basically, he 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 cries for mercy, and Mikey's great Mikey line, where Mikey goes, "I'll make a deal with you if you if you fl- what is it if you fly oh if you if you can fly I won't shoot you down." Right. Right. And then he tosses them over over the edge without delay and he splashes it down into the river. And they just, I love how they look, they're watching it smiling. As we see some, excuse me, some teenage boys watching the whole situation as Mikey uh, hands them a lot of money and goes to one of them, What did you see here? And he goes, Oh, this guy, really depressed, jumped off. It's, it's too bad. And then the other guy yells to him, How much money did you actually give that guy? It's, it's a really funny scene. Really funny scene where a guy gets murdered. Amazing. that That's our Mikey. <laughs> and Ren says, Matt, you should try the sexy underwear. <laughs> oh,
1: You know what? Next week, that's all I'll wear when we do this. Exactly. But you won't be able to tell
0: because it'll be cut off right at the right. end. It'll
1: be so sexy. <laughs>
0: it'll be so sexy, what you can imagine. As, as one of our great listeners, Tim, usually likes to say, is where we're sitting right now, we could easily not, being wear, not be wearing pants for this podcast. <laughs> Much love to Tim Gesh. Okay, so we're back at Satrialis and Big Pussy lets Larry Boy, Jimmy, and uh, Ray into the back room. Tony gives him the look. This is a really funny line by Tony. And I thought and he, Tony's really amused that all these guys are pissed off. I thought Junior was the only one that could make that, that can make look like that. I
1: thought I was the only was one the ol- I was the only one that Junior could make look like that.
0: It's a great line. Great line by Tony. And the look on his face when he does it is totally that, you know that. Crazy drunk uncle that really never says anything to you, but just slaps you on the back. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear that, guys? He just gets that. Like, Tony was waiting for this line. He had this line for a while. He couldn't wait to use it. And all the guys get pissed off that your your Uncle Junior, he is... um, Okay, let me hear it, boys. And... You're uh, Hugo. That's the closest thing to the. They talk about the rusty Irish getting killed and how yeah,
1: you, we had no idea that he was actually somehow connected to them. He was connected to Larry boy within the family.
0: He was Larry boy's biggest earner. And Junior didn't ask his permission. And it would have been really respectful of him to actually come to me and ask if it was OK to whack this guy. And Tony's like, I don't get what's going on. What are you talking about? And they say, "Well, Junior did that. Junior shouldn't have done that favor for the old man." And Tony's like, "What the? What, what, what is all this shit? What's going on?" And and then they talk about the poker game that we saw at the beginning of the episode, and and Tony gives the line, "Even a broken clock is right twice a day." Junior had a stand there. No one was. He wasn't paying anybody for that game. He had a position. He wasn't playing anybody. And he goes, well, hiking a thumb in Jimmy's direction and saying that Sammy invoked Jimmy's name, it should have been end of story. And Jimmy nods in agreement. Tony sits back in his chair asking what they want him to do. Larry shrugs and says, we made our bed. We need to sleep in it. No one wants to kill Junior. But how long are we going to continue to kick upstairs without it hurting? I mean, something, something needs to trickle down to us. And Tony says, I'll talk to Junior. Or talk to Junior. After all, he's your uncle. And Tony says... Okay. Tony says, okay, whatever. And Tony's solution to this is knocking on Livia's door and getting Livia, getting Livia to help him. So who is it? Who is it? It's me. Oh, Anthony? Oh, Yvette, open the door. Oh, Anthony. I I didn't want that woman that passed in the hall. I didn't want that really nosy lady to come in. He comes in. And basically Tony says, Listen, Ma, you're the one that Junior listens to. Why don't you tell him to be nice to his underlings? And she's like, she's like, don't tell me this shit. You you want to tell your uncle something? Tell your uncle something. And and he's got a lot on his mind. It's just a manipulation that Tony's trying to get her to do to to do work on Junior. he, she, he says I'd hate to see him making bad moves. bad decisions. But what he doesn't understand, Matt, is that. She has already got her own claws in the junior and her own agenda that she all he's doing is in so many shows when the good guy doesn't know that the bad guy is really the bad guy yet. Where the good guy or in Survivor even this happens when you don't know if someone's cross uh, backstabbed you already and you tell the person that that's already backstabbed you your solution to solving the problem. And so they know your plan and they can fuck with you. And he basically is telling Livia that I'm trying to manipulate Junior. He, she, he just feeds in. He, he gives Livia more more wild cards in her hand right here, and and Olivia totally goes. You talk to him, and then he says, "I've got the I've got the snacks for you. I've got you uh, the biscotti that you like with the nuts." Yes. Then come on down. I just love how she yells at him in the scene.
1: Yeah, and you can also tell at the bring point, the cookies. Like, he says when she goes in there how the, how nice the place looks. Looks just like her old house. Um, You know, she's going to go downstairs and play bingo, I think it is, with the other people that are there. Uh, So she's, she is much more fit in there although she's complaining about the roommate the woman across the no the woman next to oh
0: yeah i forgot that line she she
1: water 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 water, what would i live with gunga din (laughs) a
0: couple of quick questions in the chat right now ren says now that boy was 14 who died yeah 14 years old and when the woman said tony was handsome livia rolled her eyes yeah that was awesome when she when uh
1: yeah, yeah the woman down the hallway right
0: Yeah, she's like, yeah, my son's fucking beauty my son's a fucking beauty. I agree. Yeah, Tony. (laughs) Of course you do. Of course you do, you fucking Soprano. We're co-hosting. Our third man in the booth today is Tony Soprano. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's that, Tony? What are you trying to say? I'm a man. Yeah, you are. You're a man, Tony. Okay. So let's continue on as we're getting down to the 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 final stretch of our episode here. So my favorite line in this whole thing is yeah, you want coffee? Yeah, all right. Bring the cookies. Just the way she yells, bring the cookies is just so funny. Then we get a really fun Father Phil and Carmella scene where Carmela says, We're basically, we've been talking about this a lot. It is basically her coming to grips with Milfi and this situation. It's, I mean, we've talked about this. We don't really have to get too far into the scene because we've kind of already talked this up. It's him helping her discover and admit that the only reason why she's upset about Tony in the Milfy situation is that she thinks Milfy's be- you- you're better than me. Is that she's thinking that Milfy's better than her?
1: Right. The 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 Gumas aren't taking anything away from. Her. if anything they're helping her she doesn't have to fuck that animal. exactly basically. they nice. or
0: yeah she and that's what she doesn't have to fuck that animal and I just viewed them as a form of masturbation and right. and uh, Tony Tony has something to say to you uh, Sam for welcoming him hey can I be nice? You are very, very nice. <laughs> sweetie pie. Oh, you are a sweetie pie. Thank you. Tony's very, Tony's very happy for you uh, mentioning him in the chat. So, so anyway, so, uh, okay, so we cut from this scene. She also manages to stick one in, not literally, to Father Phil about, you're a man, you get it, Father Phil. That you, I, can, I, I can't, I
1: can't fulfill his thirst. You get yeah, it, Father. and she justifies it. She's like, thank God, it's almost like, you know, it, the, It's my fault for the Gumas. I was busy with the kids. I couldn't tend to like his needs. I couldn't
0: physically satisfy my man. And that's where it gets weird. Where can we be upset that Tony has Gumar when he almost has all but an agreement written up with his wife about it, where she's
1: totally okay? Well, she basically says, I even encouraged it. I think that that's one thing that she definitely knows she signed up for when she took that job of marrying Tony Soprano. Right. She knew he was up. She knows that that comes with it because she's seen it with all of those guys her whole life.
0: Then as we get later, it makes her even more of a hypocrite later. But, right. we'll, but we will get to that. So, or I guess it comes to a point where it's I've taken enough shit. I can't take shit anymore. But what? But we we'll, we'll, again. We'll get to that. Tony tells. Then we get Tony and Milfy scene. Tony tells Milfy that Carmella's spending has gotten out of control. But you notice her. May, that may have been the point. Milfy says. And Tony glances at the clock. Milfy notices that it's time to go. And she goes, "Before we run out of time, should we talk about what happened in the last session?" Tony looks uncomfortable for a moment, but Tony's confidence is palpable, and he just goes, "How's your car?" And smiles with smarmy smile, like she, like he really thinks she's gonna be
1: happy about this. And and goes, again, I'm like, oh my god, this has to be a dream. I'm like, this is a dream again. He wouldn't admit this openly. Did you? And she just goes coldly
0: immediately. That other side of Milfi that we see a lot more later, kicks on. Did you steal my car and have it fixed? And he's smarmy smiling right back. We had an agreement, no gifts. And he goes, I didn't want to see you get ro- robbed. And Tony smarts, it wasn't you, Milfie said. Tony le- leers some more, expecting her to fall over with thanks, but she snaps. You had no right to steal my car. I've been scared to death. Why? It's a violation of my privacy. What else have you done? And Tony just gets this look like he did not expect the situation
1: to go like this. No, and she has probably, she's never had any, a patient that's probably capable of getting her car in the middle of the night, going to get it fixed and returning it having the means the, the financial ability to do that or anything else like access to the police to make that happen
0: welcome our friend lady squee it's really great to have you and welcome to the chat better late than never as always and or if, whenever you guys are watching this video later on we really do appreciate it and if you want to share your thoughts about the sopranos in the comment section or in the live chat or on sound, or in SoundCloud, I was going to say, or on the chat wing room that I have live, or you can always text and call at 781-990-8509. In fact, we did get a text, I just am seeing it now, that says, I actually, this was the first episode that I really got pissed at Carmel. Yeah, this I think it's fair to say that this is, we Carmel does have some really bitch moments in this episode, but I think ultimately it comes to a point it's almost more understandable than some of it in the in the future that we get i can see exactly why she feels bad this is the first woman like this that tony's had in his life since they've been married it must be shocking to her
1: and he's going through yeah. serious shit and he obviously has serious and problems.
0: she can't help she, she can do nothing about it mm-hmm. that that is horrible anyone that loves somebody whether it's your best friend your wife your girlfriend your boyfriend if you see someone in pain. And Carmel's not an evil person. If you see someone in pain and you can't do shit about it, and you know someone else can do shit about it, and that someone else is a, as Matt's pointed out a few times, you look at as a better version of that's gonna hurt a lot. It's gonna hurt a fucking lot. Okay. So, anyways, Tony takes a breath and he then he changes his mind. And he keeps fixing with the look, and he goes, and he goes, she goes, answer me, and he goes, I love you.
1: He, so fucked up.
0: And he goes, she's cautious with him, but she goes.
1: And he continues, "I'm in love with you." Right, I know I love you. Now it's, "I'm in love." I'm with in you. love with you, Milphy's like upping the ante every time, and Milfy's like, "Let me talk,"
0: but Tony goes, "Nope, it's not the Prozac. I dream about you. I dream about you all the time. I can't get excited about any other women. There's nothing else to say. I love you." And that's how Tony's simple mind handles it. He's like, "I can't get excited by other women. I love you. Must be I love you." Now, M- Milfie almost looks like she's about to throw up, but she keeps going, saying, saying but you're only feeling this way because we've made such progress. Tony's like, what? Like, he just doesn't get it. And he goes, I've been so gentle. That's my job. I listened. That's what I do best. I've been, I've been a broad, broad, generic, sympathetic woman to you because that's what this work calls for. You've made me all these things you feel like you're missing in your wife and in your mother. Tony who looks like he might cry goes, "You're making me out to be some kind of <laughs> you're making me out to be some kind of fucking mama's boy." And
1: my mother would have loved it if you and I got together.
0: <laughs> you are here no, I'm sorry, wrong one. You're making me out to be some fucking mama's boy. He, he gets he, you're making me out to be some kind of mama's he looks at it all wrong. Again, he doesn't understand what she's saying to him. And she says, "I want to make sure we understand each other." And he goes, I understand. I'm a man. Oh, I'm a man. You're a woman. I am. A- I'm a man. Yeah, I'm a man. You're, <laughs> you're a woman. Milfie says, I just want to make sure we understand each other. Again, she says this much better later on in the later episode when she confronts him. His, when we get come to the apex of this situation. And I'll slightly spoil it just because it's a, an important line. I think it, she could have said it to him here. I could not, I'm i all those things that she said, I'm nice and this, but that's my job. If I was actually in a relationship with you, I wouldn't deal with your shit. I wouldn't no. be in a relationship with a guy in the mafia. I, I can be nice to you because you pay me to be nice to you. And listen, that's what a therapist does. And to maybe offer you some advice, constructive criticism, or call you on bullshit. But for the most part, you're paying a therapist to listen. That's what they do. And Tony doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. A man knows. A man knows exactly. A man knows.
1: So, a woman. And I think that the other thing with her is she's the only woman he's ever probably. How many educated women has Tony been in touch with? That's you know. I
0: was I was just gonna I was saying that Matt that it's Carmela who is somewhat educated with him, but then his other interaction... She's interac- not. She's just smart. She's not like she doesn't have a doctorate from somewhere. No, you know. I I mean. Buco's wife is another smart woman, but she's not. Or, or yeah, but she's a bitch to Tony. Oh, no she's a super bitch Tony to Tony. Than her. But I'm saying she's probably another example. But she's not. He doesn't have a lot of experience with with real successful strong women at all.
1: Yeah, particularly because she's strong and not, but yet not over Like, okay, so so Artie's wife is strong, but she's a bitch about it. She's in your face about it. She's a she's miserable and this one's not she's also sweet and caring at the same time as being strong
0: ren said oh yes you can or you can join us live in the friends of the fill the issues guy show on google plus and our group that is some awesome stuff gets posted every day by ren and sam and lady and all of our friends that take part in that room so thank you guys so much for making that uh community growing and having so much fun in there so thank you to all of you, especially the people listening right now, that you guys have done so such a great job at promoting and pushing that community. I Can't say enough awesome things about you guys. Uh, so Sam says, or yeah, or man knows. Sam says when he f- flat out professed his love to
1: Milfy, my jaw straight dropped. It, it totally did. Mine did too. It was so uncomfortable, ridiculously uncomfortable. And I was praying, I'm like, please be a dream. Please be a dream. Please be a dream.
0: <laughs> and Ren also adds, Carmel is jealous that Milfy can change Tony, but she can't. Yeah. But I think I would say. That's what Carmela thinks, but I don't think that even Milfi can change Tony. I don't think anyone can change change Tony. When it real, I think maybe Tony changes a little bit, but I'd say it's more like he uses he uses the advice that Milfi. Uh, we we're gonna talk about this a lot with the end of the Milfi arc. I think what they end up saying that causes her to make the decision she does at the end of the series makes sense to everything Tony does for her or with her. He uses strategies that she gives him to use in his criminal activity, to be a better criminal. He doesn't do it to be a better person. He does it to be able to lie. Uh,
1: He does it to be a better father sometimes and to try to interact with his kids. I think he's a a better more patient with AJ than he ever would have been otherwise.
0: Mm. Uh, Fair enough. And I think maybe with Christopher, too. I think with, yeah, yeah. with some it, of the stuff. It
1: turns out great at the end. You're it right. does.
0: But I'm saying in the heart of it, where I'll give you an intervention, maybe the best Soprano scene of all time. I'll give you an intervention right up your ass. Oh, it's so fucking amazing. Oh, I can't wait till we get to. I
1: forgot to... that even happened. That's
0: <laughs> I can't wait till we get to intervention episode. But so but like by even making those decisions or or allowing Christopher to have some of those moments that he has with Christopher because he understands sickness. I understand Therapy as a concept, you know, because he's been to college, because he's done a right. couple of other things. Okay, so let's finish up this episode. We get the Little League game where the kids at the ball game gets a hit. Everyone stands up and applauds. And we cut to Tony and Junior in the stands. Tony says something, but Junior interrupts him and says, I always thought you'd make the pros. I'm not a varsity player, <laughs> but to make a pro. You had a swing like Joey D. And Tony's like, I could barely hit 250. And Junior says, that's because you were too busy. You didn't want it. You were too busy chasing Skirt chasing skirt your average was 500 and then we get into the octavian and augustus
1: being a good leader is doing this and if you've never watched rome on hbo you will learn so much about roman history that's worth watching it's only two seasons everyone out there you've seen rome right? i've Phil? seen i've seen rome it's it's re- and it is the
0: precursor precursor to how we got Game of Thrones on HBO too? Not that it's the similar show at all. I just mean in in like a in a weird genre type style. It's the it's the first
1: show like that HBO really did. Yeah, but I learned so much Roman history from oh, it. That's it's a great all, show. That's how I know all these people he's talking about. I'm like I only know Octavian Augustus. How that whole thing happened? Watch Vic- Watch Vikings, Matt.
0: Watch Vikings. I know you've
1: told me that. I, I, I think just
0: it. from that standpoint, from you saying that, I only know anything about Viking history through watching that show and then researching the real stuff and see how they changed up. Right. I, I know this is a different podcast, but I would watch Vikings bad. I think that might be. I I've, I don't suggest shows to you. Uh, I know. You suggested hour. Breaking Bad. What was the, bad. I've suggested to one show to you in my life, and that's Breaking Bad. When it, it was like You're like, I don't watch TV anymore. I don't like anything since the surprise. I'm like, watch Breaking Bad. I'm not going to watch Breaking Bad. You're a teacher. Watch Breaking Bad. And i would say watch vikings it's 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 good stuff it's not on the level quality wise i mean it's a really good show but it's not it's a history channel show right. but but it's uh it's good and it's it's very much equi- like equating or i could see it being a parallel to the rome on some level grant says great show vikings sam says i agree it's a good show and it was cool having seen game of thrones before it, seeing people like Mance and edmier in there a- absolutely it was great great crossover with some of the lesser not the lesser the sub characters and the co-star characters Anyways,
1: so so this is just a fun scene between Junior. Tony's trying, and again, it, it's cool because it brings up the fact that Tony's a history buff because he knows all this stuff about Augustus and Octavian. He's, he's trying to explain this whole thing, assuming that Junior would possibly know some of his Roman history. And, and Junior's just no like, no yeah. Junior what the hell he's talking
0: Junior goes, I get your fucking point, but why didn't you just come out with it? Why this Octavius and this <laughs> bullshit? And Tony goes, I don't know. I just love Tony. Again, I love Tony and his reaction. And I also love how... I'm going to say love again here, but how you can really tell in this scene how much Tony loves Junior. And right. and and I'd say both ways. But when when he says the line about him being in high school and batting 500 on coups and could have been in the pros, you can really see Tony smile at Junior, like, my uncle really loves me, that he still thinks about that. He thinks about me as a professional athlete. Uh, and especially when we connect to something that Tony says later on about, that junior says to him you'll never be a never be a varsity athlete it connects with how important junior's support for him is because he was probably always his, his funny quirky wacky uncle junior that was always at every game anything that his father was at junior was there anytime his father was around You get the feeling junior and and uh and johnny boy were best not just brothers they were best friends
1: and you also get the i I, we know this that 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 tony after a certain age grew up in this life you know he grew up with this being part of his life he was never totally shielded from it exactly saw this his whole life he knew this whole thing where aj was never exposed to this until he went off on his own
0: and ren says remember he went there because of the panic attacks i think he's afraid of them coming back i agree with that as well okay so also in this scene, just to top it off, we also have Junior straight out ask him, you look like Mesomor recently. You look really depressed. I, Junior gets his point. He goes, I get your point. And he goes, you look Mesomor lately. Why are you so depressed? And Tony's like, nothing. Bullshit stuff. Don't worry about it. And he pats Junior on the shoulder like, like I'm so happy you actually give a shit about me. So here we go to our last scene of the episode. We kind of already hinted at that. That's, it's Hesh and Tony at, to, at, Tony at Hesh's... Uh, Oh, this actually isn't the last episode, last moment. No, it's a couple, couple, couple scenes. scenes. But we're getting, we're getting there. Basically, Tony agrees to fucks with Hesh a little bit as they're on the horse farm watching the horses. It's a little precursor to Tony's love for horses and pile my stuff that's going to come later. And animals yet again. And yet oh, animals yet again. And he gives. He's like, H- I love it out here. It's so
1: amazing. And Hesh is like, Yeah, the smell though.
0: Yeah, the smell of shit. I could watch them all day, but they smell like shit. And Tony fucks with him a little bit, but ultimately gives him his fifty grand and says, I won't profit off your tax.
1: So here we so go. So what had happened was, though, but Tony Jr. decided after Tony had his talk with them, after the guys were all crying poverty and how Junior's screwing them. Tony took Hesh's two hundred fifty thousand dollars and split it up fifty thousand amongst all of them.
0: Right, he said that at the beginning of the scene. I'm sorry, you're right. I skipped over that.
1: Split it up between all the captains, and so Tony got fifty grand as being one of the five captains underneath Junior.
0: Exactly, and he decided, and Hesh knew it. It was one of those, you know it, I know it, you know I know. You're not taking that money, and. Right. And and he gave him the fifty grand. So we get to our second to last scene of the episode, where it's Tony sitting by the pool. Carmela comes out and sits behind him, and she looks really awesome in the scene. To be to be quite like she she, she did. I noticed it too. Edie Falco looked really beautiful in the scene. So he tells her that nothing's wrong uh, with Doctor Milfi, basically. She comes to grips, talking to Father Phil helped her, and she came to grips with, it's okay for him to see Milfy. Go see Milfy If it's helping you, you're doing the right thing. I'll be here to support you, Tony. You She's giving you something I can't give you.
1: I should be happy about that. And it's the first, I think it's probably the first, like, tender loving scene you see between these two people right yeah there, mean,
0: there's maybe one in like the first uh, first episode
1: to set the scene of it but you're absolutely right this after is the first panic attack but after yeah. all the the just the vile behavior between the two of them for the last four or five episodes this it's a nice scene. it's
0: it is a really nice scene between the two of them and she's just very calming i like how it was shot and you're right someone suggested in the notes that i'm that i'm uh b- barring suggested that it was because of the color she was wearing uh that it just works really well with her her complexion
1: there was just something going on with the way carmel she was glowing she She was yeah and she says i want to be part of your life he says you are my life you know it's it's an it's a very it's a very heartwarming scene you need to see that scene because I, i i was starting to feel like man these people fucking hate each other throughout you know leading up to it to this point and you really see here why so much of the stuff that happens later on in the show is, is you know, is it, such it, a big deal. Because they do have this. They deep down inside really do love each other.
0: Exactly. So we get the dinner table where Junior is having his time with the guys. Tony clinks up and says, even if he wasn't my uncle, I would i would uh, salute to Junior. He gets it. And we also hear – we see all the captains there, everything. And right as they toast glasses, we – we cut to the waiter who has a bug on his name tag and we see the FBI shooting this and spying on this whole situation and bugging it. And we see junior Soprano's picture be taken to the head of the bulletin board as the, as our classic bulletin board criminal stuff as junior is officially the head of the family. And Tony's plan is working.
1: They take Jackie down and they move junior up. They cross out the name, you know, the the capo on it and they they write boss
0: really intense moment and that's the end of our episode great episode a little longer than we usually take recapping it but we as we get further into soprano episodes
1: it's it's we keep saying it's gonna get shorter
0: but but what i'm saying is as we get deeper we're gonna get deeper in it because it's it's harder to because i tried to today i tried to a couple times graze over stuff and then you're like wait Forget that. It's because I don't want to forget it. So so I think we'll just be organic to how whatever these things are. So and try to keep try to keep things down. We, we've been babbling a little extra today, uh, having a little extra fun because it's close to Matt's vacation. So I feel like I can be a little bit more flexible with him. He's got.
1: Yeah. And then we might just bang a bunch of model vacations. Right. Those and I quick.
0: think when we're yeah, when we bang a bunch out, it'll be easier to do them kind of quicker and just do quick su- sum up. But I Sam says I really love this episode and me too, really like this episode. This was. This was my favorite episode of the season, Matt. I don't know about you, if it if it if it matched that. But to me, The Sopranos keeps getting better and better every episode. It, it,
1: right. And, you know, it's funny because we said three episodes, wow, this really feels like The Sopranos. Yeah. And wow, it really, and now this one, it's even more so, wow, this really feels like The Sopranos.
0: Yeah. and See I got
1: Johnny Sack come in. And just bringing that whole element of New York, which we haven't seen yet in, is amazing.
0: A couple of quick fun facts. Uh, Rusty Irish gets flung off the bridge. That's Patterson Falls. It becomes the second time in season one that David Chase gives us a dramatic location in that. Uh, there's also... The funny funniest line in the episode. I've eaten more. I've eaten more queens than Lancelot. A couple of other funny lines. Not too many fun facts in this episode. Uh, too many Johnny Sack. First time we see meet Johnny Sack. Uh, Rusty Irish dies. Uh, Pax Soprano is the titles a reference to Pax Romano and related terms, which refers back to the lack of conflict over a long period of time due to unchallenged rules of a single dominant power. Tony hopes to achieve with the Soprano family. Pax Romana was an error invented by the Roman Empire. Uh, Emperor Augustus mentioned by Tony in his conversation with Uncle Junior. So, Matt, I think this is a good enough place to cut off. Let's see if anybody else has any last comments or questions in the chat room. Lady says, I need to actually watch this show. I've heard so much about it. I think you would enjoy it. Just don't overhype it too much. I think over-expectations is how anything in life gets ruined. It's a good show. Don't keep all the same visual it's sometimes when a show's influenced a lot of other shows you go back and watch it and you can say oh i've seen so many other shows do things like this a lot of things the sopranos was doing its first so watch it with a grain of salt of that it came out in 1999 compared to similar to the era we live in now with the breaking bads the game of thrones and of, why of it's so
1: important is if you go back earlier than that, I don't think you are going to see a lot of this. Stuff. No, this you're not. And we talk ground groundbreaking stuff.
0: Matt, you're right, and we talked a lot about that in the first episode that I was actually recently listening to, where where it was really the first show. Some could say St. Elsewhere, some could say Oz, but *Sopranos* was the one to make it make it make it fun or make it more popular, put it to okay. the populace
1: really when you watch it it's the same quality as a high-end movie and it really I think that's, that's you know
0: and our last comment of the day sam says it's really good you can watch it on my timeline <laughs> because i'm watching it for the first time too awesome awesome guys everybody ren sam lady mcdicker who who have always who have been joining us this whole time thank you guys so much for checking us out for this sopranos broadcast and if you are watching us for the first time and you haven't already please hit that subscribe button to be alerted whenever we go live please join the community on Google Plus the Google commu- the Google Plus community you can find the link to that in the description box below you can also subscribe to our gaming channel to watch Joe Dirty Locks do lots of video game streaming and I'll show up on there on occasion here and there just trying to get my video game streaming stuff all set up tom says hello what the fuck no oh tom i'm so sorry buddy great stream for what I watch this lady sorry buddy we'll be back much rewind just rewind you can follow me on twitter at I got issues man you can follow Matt on on google plus at big daddy Matt and yes if you have any questions email me at I got issues man at gmail.com check out issues program.com you can find the feeds to our podcasts there and find us on iTunes if you issues guys podcasts all that stuff Matt it's really good to talk to you as always buddy
1: yeah, and if we don't talk to anyone else here, if you do Christmas, uh, all that good stuff, if we don't talk to anyone before, then have a Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Happy Christmas. We will be- oh, and Happy Hanukkah, Phil. A little late for you. I know. Yeah. Show you lighting candles every night. So. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah. Tons of candles. Tons of candles, tons of Goudreau, tons of potato like substances. Okay, guys, I'm going to go eat some pasta because I'm fucking hungry. Thank you, Sam. Sorry so much. Fuck you guys. Fucking time zone, says Tom. <laughs> you fucking gay. I know we do suck <laughs> fucking East Coast assholes. Have a good night everybody. Talk to you soon. Later